Are you tired of playing the same old games over and over again? Are you looking to spice up your game night with creative new ideas? Look no further because we're here to add some excitement back into your game night. We'll even show you how to take your love of games outside the confines of the living room. We're your hosts, Lauren and Greg, and Friday is game night. Happy Friday, everyone! In this episode, we're talking our recent Dice Tower West experiences. For the dice roll, we give advice for those wanting to attend a convention, board gaming or otherwise. And once again, we escape a serial killer in our escape room report, and of course, our Friday favorite. So we survived the con, guys. Dice Tower West 2020 didn't kill us. No, it did not. And we will be talking all about it this episode. Some of this episode's kind of split up because we had to record some things ahead of time Mm -hmm. um, and some things uh, right away because we wanted to talk about this convention. We knew we wanted to talk about it, um, but we knew our episode was going to be due right away. So in order to record this, we're recording this the day after we got back. Um, We needed to kind of split it up a little so we'd have time to discuss it. Um, But before we get into that, uh, what are you bringing to game night, Greg? Oh, what I'm bringing to game night this week is something you can't get any other time of the year. Mm -hmm. I'm bringing sneak peeks to all my friends of games that haven't even come out yet. Yeah. Because at the convention, there was vendors demoing things that are just about to come onto Kickstarter. Yeah, that's what's kind of cool about this convention in particular is you've got a lot of games there that, you know, they are going to be bringing to Kickstarter, but aren't out yet you know Mm -hmm. sometimes we've we've seen games too there that um they are just finishing kickstarter or currently on kickstarter um but they'll like we said they have a lot that are you know oh we're coming out next week or next month like i remember last year one of the games i was excited for that was not quite to kickstart yet was called get in my belly which Mm -hmm. i definitely talked about where it's like aliens like gorging themselves in food Uh and that guy was back and it was nice to see how much that had progressed yeah and just a year's time of like how much more like the art had improved and mm-hmm. see the changes he had made to the board since then, you know. And actually, I believe now it is on Kickstarter. Yeah. That game. So it was kind of cool to see like that progress. Uh-huh. But I'm going to talk about games that no one else even knows about yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we even got to demo some games that aren't even yeah, that was like, really fun. you know, they're still in the building process. So that, that's what's really neat about going to these kind of conventions. How about you, Lauren? What are you bringing to Game Night? Well, along that lines, I'm bringing the coronavirus. Because although we did not catch any sickness while we were in Vegas, um, we did find out from a lot of people that because of the coronavirus, some game publishing is going to go fall behind schedule. Sad. Because a lot of the um, companies that produce these game pieces and the game boards that we all know and love um, are based in China. And they're going to be having some difficulty fulfilling orders because right. of the outbreak. Um, so if you kind of are expecting certain games that are supposed to come out and they're a little bit later, you'll know why. If you're going to bring coronavirus to game night, can you just not come this week? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I think everybody hopefully got through the convention happy and healthy mm-hmm. with it. Um, and we're here to now share our experiences with it. Yeah. So once again, as it was last year, it was at the Westgate Hotel in Las Vegas. Yeah. Which for those of you who don't know where it is, go to Las Vegas, go a little bit west. <laughs> yeah, it's like right outside the Strip. It's one of the older hotels. Mm-hmm. Um, featured in James Bond Diamonds Are Forever though it was called something different yeah it hasn't always been I don't know what it was called in that and I don't know if that was a fake name but I know it hasn't always been called the Westgate it used to be called something else Um, but it's part of like a chain of um, hotels now Um, and you know this this hotel is not the greatest hotel ever 
Um, but it's a lot more affordable for the convention and for the people attending the convention. You know what it is? It is the stereotypical Vegas casino hotel without any specific theme. Yeah. That's what it is. Because, like, whenever people think of Vegas now, they think of, like, oh, it's all Egyptian or it's all, like, you know, Venice-based or, uh-huh. or Parisian or whatever. Yeah. But this is just, like, if you had someone who's younger, like, just draw a casino. Yeah. Or put a casino in a movie. Like, this uh-huh. is... And it feels kind of um, 90s to me. That's what I'm saying, Like, yeah. that's the other thing. Because there are some, um, like, I'm thinking of, like... The Aria and some of the other big hotel casinos that aren't necessarily theme-based, but they're newer. Mm-hmm. And this one is like, okay, take a non-theme hotel from the 90s, because that's probably the last time it was updated, right? Yeah, right. Um, you know, and like I said, it's perfectly fine. You know, it is very convenient, I think, being that it is off the Strip, because um, there's free garage parking that they, like, you don't even have to be staying there and right. park there. And it has a monorail station that takes you to the Strip. Yeah. So, like, for, I think it was $5 for a ticket, you can easily get down to the Strip without having to worry about traffic or parking down there. Which, I've done that before, and that's a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we didn't take advantage of that last year, but this year I knew that was something that we wanted to try out just so that... We could tell, you know, those who might be attending mm-hmm. what to expect. Um, so we went one morning um, down to the strip to get breakfast. And it was it was really easy, really convenient. I think they run every like eight, ten minutes. Yeah. Um, so we didn't have to wait very long. Actually, when we got on it, nobody was on it. We were like the only people on it. Um, it was a little bit of a hike from just the particular stop we got off at. It was a little bit of a hike then to get into the hotel yeah, that was. we were going to. But I think that was just the particular stop we were at. Also, they were doing some construction, which may have also made it longer. Right. Um, so I don't think that's probably the case most of the time. Um, but yeah, it was really convenient. We didn't have to park. We were able to jump down to the strip. So if there are things you want to do down there, it's really convenient for that. Also, I think the benefit of being kind of not right downtown is um, we can leave the hotel and like drive to go get food or go to other places without all the traffic and with more parking because you're kind of right on that line where the Vegas that people live in starts. Right. You know, so it's like these are the restaurants that people who live in Vegas go to, not the ones. Yeah, that... one of the things we did for lunch one day was go get Korean barbecue at a place you had found. You know, uh-huh. because sometimes it's good to just step away. Yeah, it was nice like, to see outside. Go see outside and like <laughs> that's what the sun looks like. Yeah, because you know? in the room that we're in, there's no windows and there's no clocks, and you lose track of time fast. Yeah, so it it's amazing. So yeah, so we had a good time with that. You know, mm-hmm. and the hotel is nice. You know, the only problem I have with it, all the rooms. And the convention center are divided by the main casino gambling floor. Uh-huh. And the only way that I could see to get to the convention center, like where the, uh, the you know, dice tower was being held, was to walk through this very smoky casino floor. Yeah. Where, like, anyone who has a cigarette can just walk by and breathe smoke in your face. And being that we're from California, where they really crack down on public smoking in the we're past, like, decade, that. Yeah. we're not really as used to that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I would say that is, like, one of the um, downsides of the hotel is you do have to walk through the casino floor um, to get to the convention. It's not a long, a super long walk, which is nice. I've stayed at some other hotels for conventions for like work stuff. Right. And sometimes you like, literally you're like, I want to go back to my room, but it's going to be a 15 minute walk to get back there <laughs> because it's just so yeah, far. No, I remember uh, walking <laughs> along just different hotels in Vegas just to like look at it, you know, uh-huh. like the theming. 
and like Caesar's Palace is way bigger than you think. Westgate is actually relatively compact compared. Everything's only about a five minute walk from itself. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, um, when, when I have stayed at other hotels for conventions, a lot of times the convention part, you can access it from the rooms without having to go through the entire casino. So mm -hmm. you don't get all that smoke and stuff. Whereas yeah. here we had to constantly walk right through it. Also, I would say being an older hotel, I feel like the ventilation isn't great there. Mm. Um, I know like when we would get there, um, I instantly kind of felt like coffee and like dried out, even though we didn't get sick necessarily. Right. Um, and then as soon as we would leave the hotel to go get food or something, um, my cough would start to go away. <laughs> so I think it was just something about the atmosphere or whatever. It just doesn't necessarily agree with me that well. I would say the only thing that's lacking about the hotel is their food options. Yeah. You uh, actually did a little bit of research to find out about prices this time. Yeah, I did. So that's the thing. Um, we we kind of knew this time. So last year, they had gave everybody who like were the first people to sign up for the convention free breakfast, which mm -hmm. we didn't even know. I didn't know that that was something we got until we got there and they gave us these breakfast vouchers. And we were like, score. And we were like, okay, good. That that cuts down on our costs significantly, not having to pay for this meal. But this year they said, oh, we're not going to be able to do that. And I was like, you know, that sucks because obviously that's more money we have to spend. But also the breakfast wasn't very good. So I was like, uh, is, it, is it that much of a loss? You know, right. yeah, we might have to spend more money, but we were also not eating that great of food. Um, and also that's probably possibly one of the places I got sick last year just because, you know, you're around a ton of people. It was really crowded. Right. Um, but then they, they came back and said, well, no, we're going to be able to give you one free breakfast for uh, two people or whatever. So, um, you know, we were like, okay. And... Um, you did a price comparison because we got like a quick like little late night snack at one of the places there. Yeah, one sandwich, two desserts, and a coffee mm -hmm. came out to be like 30 bucks. Yeah. Meanwhile, two all-you-can-eat buffet breakfasts with all the drinks and whatever you want, $24. Yeah. So, so like, yeah. Guess yeah. what we're never doing again, going to that little coffee star. Exactly. Um, and then we went over and looked at, they have these other, they have like a Benihana and a nice, some nicer restaurants, right? But they also have over in their, um, I think they call it, what do they call it? The game book area the or book something? The book house or something like that? Yeah. Or? It's like the biggest um, betting on games and stuff area ever. It's, it's, it's kind of cool to go see. It's impressive. They've got like, like. Te television screens the size of a house like yeah, multiple, multiple ones with all like statistics about games that are coming up and like all the sports in the world it's like yeah. if you're a sports person this is your like favorite place in the world yeah, yeah. It, it's it's impressive like i said but they have some like little quick service places over there like mm -hmm. a pizza place a taco place and i think a burger place and we had gotten some food there briefly last year and this year we weren't going to but i wanted to go over and look at the prices right to once again you know compare and it was like nine dollars for a hot dog and it was just you know a regular hot dog and then i think it was like 15 dollars for any of the like sandwiches or like hamburgers you could want um so definitely not like you're paying really high prices I think maybe a little bit too high for being that it is off the strip. Mm -hmm. Like you could pay that same price for things at a hotel on the strip and you can pay for the same amount of th that for right. food at a much nicer place. Let's mm -hmm. just say. So I do think they, the Westgate kind of needs to like 
take a look in the mirror and realize what it is. Check your prices, yeah. Yeah, and check their prices. That's the other thing. Um, so they do have like kind of like a little Starbucks there. For a grande coffee, which is usually like we, you know, our our coffee order is a grande chai tea latte, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's our coffee order. Eight dollars there. Ouch. Where it would normally be like four bucks at Starbucks. Um, but I did find a really cool little loophole that um if you decline um, having maid service, mm-hmm. they will give you a $10 credit oh. for each day that you do that. Nice. Um, so the one day I was actually able to use that and get coffee because we didn't go out to breakfast and I was in quite some need of coffee. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, for sure that's a little bit of a hack if you are um, going to go to this conference. Um, and you don't necessarily need uh, new towels every day, <laughs> um, definitely put in for that and um, get you some coffee. <laughs> That's a good idea. But hey, let's talk about some games. Yes. We went to a gaming convention, not we a did. food convention. <laughs> so uh, we got a chance to try many, many new games. We did. When I when we got there, I said, let's play one or two to warm up that we know. Mm-hmm. You know, So we did that, so we won't bother talking about those. But let's talk about some of the new ones that we got to try. One of which I actually enjoyed right away that you found was Draftosaur, where yes. it was this cute little game of little dinosaur meeples, mm-hmm. and it's essentially you have your own Jurassic Park, and you roll a dice to, well, you reach into the meeple bag, and you pull out little dinos, mm-hmm. and then you, it's kind of like Sushi Go, where you're passing. Where you take only one, and you put it down, and then you pass it to the person on your left, except also you have to roll a dice to limit where you can put things, yeah. and pretty much the dice will limit you to like... About only half of the board, depending mm-hmm. on how the dice divides it, whether it's left and right, up and down, full or not full, whatever. And there's and there's a bit of a logic to it too, where certain dinos can only go in certain places, or you can only have a certain combination of dinosaurs. Like you can't have this next to a T Rex or something like yeah. that. Um, so it is. It's like Sushi Go, but different, mm-hmm. um, where you're kind of then really limited to what you can put what to next. Yeah, because Sushi Go, it's like everything gets you points. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, yeah, in the party one, there's maybe a few ones that are more Where you, you know, have to have so many that. of them. But it's pretty much like if you put this down, most likely it'll give you points. Uh-huh. But for this one, the Dino Draft or Draftosaurus, it's, it, you literally can't put it there. And you have to mm-hmm. kind of think ahead of like what is in the available pool right now. What can I possibly get? What would Lauren or my other friends take before it comes back around to me? So uh-huh. it's a lot of like really, oh my gosh, you know. So if you played Sushi Go and you think about how the chopsticks work, how you have to, oh, not the chopsticks, the shrimp. Mm-hmm. They have to have two of the shrimp tempura. Otherwise, it's worth nothing. It's very much like that. Like, I have to let this one go, and I hope it comes back around to but me. The, but it's like, they're all kind of like that in a way. It's like that with all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a lot, it's more complicated. But one of the things that's neat about it is it's a very quick and simple game to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think you could, you could play it with older kids as well, oh, yeah. and they would get it. It's very cute and family friendly. Um, I had heard of it before, but I, I always get it confused with some of the other dino games that are out That's right now. That's kind of a popular theme right now. They have like Dinosaur Island. Yeah. I saw one called Dino Genetics. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's why we had never kind of played it before. Um, but I, I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, well, first of all, it's, it's a dinosaur game. So Greg will like it. I do. And I was like, you know what? I think this is going to be a quick and easy one for us to learn and start playing. So definitely cute for kids. You know? Yeah. I don't know if it's the one we'll buy necessarily, but it, it, it is. I would get it as a gift from my nieces and nephews. Yeah. Um, but it is a good filler game because it doesn't take very long. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think we played it twice. Right. Um, in the span of like an hour maybe. And it's a smaller game, not that many components. 
I don't know what the price of it would be. I would guess it's in the 20, 25 at most range. Uh-huh. So like if I wanted to have a Donald's with themed night and I was willing to spend a couple bucks for it, yeah, I would get that to add to my collection. Yeah. And then I can do that with like dinosaur tea party. Yeah. And like um, maybe bust out my very old Jurassic Park, the original board game. Yeah. Which and is actually kind of horrible, but like still fun. <laughs> um, it'd probably be a good one you could travel with as well. Yeah. No, it's very small. It's yeah. like the size of a book. Um, another one, now this is one I had heard of ahead of time. Um, I didn't know anything about it. I had just seen a, pictures of it on mm-hmm. Instagram. And instantly I was like, In love. what is this? Yeah. What is this? I, wa- I want to you know, find out what this is. Um, and that was Sword Crafters. Yeah. Which was actually one of, so that's the other thing, cool thing that Dice Tower does is they give you a couple different ways to win games. Mm-hmm. We never do because we're very unlucky people. <laughs> but um, We're lucky in other fields. We're lucky in other fields, yes. Um, but they have this thing with that they call play to win. So they have all these games that have been donated. And every time you check it out to play it, you put down your name mm-hmm. and you are entered into a drawing and you could possibly win that game. Like you put down your name and you put down the game that you're checking out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so you have to actually play it in order to win it. And obviously if you play it a lot, you better your chances. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had seen this game and it's essentially what you do is you have the hilt of a sword mm-hmm. and you are building in 3D a sword with different colored gems in the blade. With all these little cardboard tiles that are slotted to fit onto each To fit, other. yeah. So it builds up this big sword mm-hmm. in 3D. Um, and that was all I had seen, but immediately I was like, what is this game? This looks really cool. I want to play it. It's really it. fun. Yeah, and we, I think that probably was one of my favorite games that we played while we were there. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we ended played up that playing like three it. Times. Yeah, we played it three times because we played it once and it was really fun. And then we wanted like a second go at it. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end of the um, convention, we we were tired or whatever and we didn't want to uh, learn another game and we kind of had like this weird window of time between two things we needed to do so we just busted that out again and played it again (laughs) and what i love about that is the division mechanic Mm -hmm. because you'll lay out 12 to 15 tiles in front of you depending on how many players there are one of them will always be the first player token which lets you be first player next time which i always Mm -hmm. love when games do that where that can be randomized as to who yeah it's not just we pass it back and forth right it's not automatically passing it's like whoever really wants that Mm -hmm. but you have the tiles there and the first player has to cut an imaginary line to divide the entire thing into two separate clean groups it's just one straight line cut and then the second player has to make another cut dividing one of those two groups into two more groups so you're constantly dividing by two Uh one of the different groups and what you're doing is you're setting up like pools that then the or piles that the other players can then draft pick from. So you don't want to divide something too much because then there'll be nothing for anybody. But also you don't want to divide it not enough because if you're not the first player, you surely will not get that big pile. Yeah. So you're kind of like, I want to leave some for me, but I don't want to leave any for them. Uh-huh. So it's this really interesting kind of game of chicken that you have to play with yeah. your friends, you know? Yeah. And what it is, is you have these different um, colored gems and you want to get kind of these lines of gems. You want to get the same get gems points. in a row. Yeah, yeah. But also you have other objectives that will give you points depending on the number. So I might be trying to go for this really long row of yellows. But the objectives are, 
how whoever has the most blues, whoever has the most reds. So I also want to make sure I'm getting plenty of those as well. And you want to have the tallest sword. And you want to have the tallest sword if possible. So, and you so the more have, tiles, the better. And you can't have any leftover weird tiles or anything. You have to completely finish a level uh-huh. or throw those rest of the tiles away. Yeah, yeah. 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 And also something I saw some people playing wrong when we were at the convention. Like uh, when I would look out and see people playing it, sometimes I would see people who had that extra like right. orphan tile hanging but out. But at the same time, you know, as long as they're enjoying themselves, it's not wrong. Yeah, no, I'm just saying it's just, like, if we were being in a competition, I'd be like, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm just saying like that's one that I think is easily overlooked right. kind of thing um, that you're not supposed to do that. And then actually we played it twice and then um, after, that was the play to win one. And then when we checked it out later, um, we checked out just the Dice Tower version because mm-hmm. um, their copy actually had a bunch of the expansions in it because mm-hmm. there is an expansion. I don't think it's out yet. And it adds tips to the swords, yeah. which also adds another kind of objective, a secret objective that you're trying to fulfill. Which and is it, really hard to do. It makes it exponentially harder. And they also include solo player mode, yes. which is becoming a big mechanic that everyone wants nowadays. Yeah, for sure. And actually, you know, at first... Um, I was kind of like, uh, you know, why, why have so much solo player? Like the whole point of board games is to play as a group Mm -hmm. and enjoy it. But, um, we were actually at a panel where they discussed this briefly and they did make some good points that some people purposely want to play the solo games so that they can get better, um, better used to the game and and better able to teach it to other people. Exactly. So that's also um, a good reason for why we why it's good to have those solar players or you know sometimes you just want to enjoy that game and what can offer but you don't have anyone with you right now to play it mm-hmm. yeah it's it's kind of like the first time you go to the movies by yourself at first you're right. like this is weird but then i don't you're have like, anyone to sit with me i feel like a weirdo yeah but then it's so great because you don't have anyone telling you like what do you think about this part like or i'm just and yeah I can pick whatever seat i want or worrying that the other person is not enjoying themselves or right. you know yeah it's kind of freeing in the end it's so great whenever i go to the movies by myself because i'm the guy who likes to sit right up front in the middle and i hate that <laughs> because i want to see the big picture <laughs> but yeah so i think that was definitely an enjoyable one and uh-huh. once again relatively easy to learn i saw yeah. a couple of people there was this couple that i met there um that had their son with them their son i would guess would be about like nine or ten and he was picking it up easy yeah you know like not a problem at all so yeah yeah um really fun uh, mm-hmm. game and i think that's definitely one i would it, it's so unique to get like a 3d thing that you're building yeah too. there's no board yeah it's you're collecting tiles but then you're putting them together to make an object that then you can swing around because let's face it we have all who have gone through public school done the whole get the markers that the teacher has on the board, mm-hmm. put them together like a sword. Yeah. It's, it's that same kind of joy. Yeah, no, it's, I definitely but more think. more purposeful. Yeah, I definitely think it's one that's going to really appeal to kids just because of the nature of it. And it's just so unique that I feel like it's going to be a big hit. Right. Another one that was unique that I thought, I, I think has potential, but it just doesn't quite hit the mark, mm-hmm. is called Mystery House. Uh-huh. Where... You have this box that has like grids on it, you know, with an inlay that are like little grooves. Uh-huh. And then you can put a lid over that that has like slots. So you can slide these cards into them that are kind of like little walls. Uh-huh. And along the thing, it's labeled like, you know, column A, row one, two, three, four, five, six, all yeah. the way through like, I think it's Q or R. Uh-huh. And the point is that you build this labyrinth. With pictures on both sides of the cards. Uh-huh. And then you you close the box and then you look at it through the little windows on the side. Mm-hmm. You download the app. It's an escape room. Yeah. It's the 
best escape room in a box I think I've come across other than time stories, you know, because yeah. time stories are technically like escape room. Yeah. But it's so cool because like I'm looking at this thing and I keep turning it mm. and I'm like, I see what looks like a bench. Oh, wait, there's a teddy bear under the bench. And you freak out because all of a sudden you saw a little detail you didn't uh-huh, see before. Yeah. And on the app you go like, okay, so D4, uh, teddy bear. And then it'll tell you, oh, you can take card number five, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's very much, you know, it is sort of like these unlock or exit games, which are very popular right now as these escape room in a boxes. It mm. is an escape room in a box, um, but it's more 3D and more interactive. And it's um, got four sides to it. And so you can't yeah. it. So what's so great about this, here's where it succeeds yet simultaneously fails. Uh-huh. Right? I thought a lot about this. Yes. When we've done escape room in a box reviews on this show before, mm-hmm. we say the problem is that there's only the one card to look at really at a time. And if you're looking at it and I'm like taking notes or whatever, like it's kind of hard for me to like give my input because you're looking at it. Yeah. And it's such a small card, you know, but with this thing, there's four sides to the box. And so as long as we can all agree to when to rotate or if like there's four people looking, uh-huh. we can all be looking at a side and coming up with our own ideas. The problem though is that it's one app. Yeah. And the app is smartly designed in that it tracks your progress and you can't just blindly go J5 bet. It'll be like, how do you see J5? I wasn't tracking your progress that you should be able to see J5 now. So if on one app you're like doing the thing, Mm -hmm. unless everyone all has their apps and it's like, okay, everyone hit A4. Everyone, you know, that's not going to work. The app, I would say the app because we've played other ones that have an app, Mm -hmm. right? Unlock Most of them do. Yeah. Um, Exit doesn't, but yeah, like Unlock they do. Um, And their app's pretty good. I would say this app is much better designed in the fact that, yes, you're right, it does track your progress. It also tracks what items you have. Mm -hmm. So if you go to a room, you can say, okay, I'm going to use this object for this purpose. And it knows, like, you have this on you. And then when you use it and it goes away, it goes away in the Right, app. like if you use a crowbar so, to open a door and then it says discard card two, the crowbar, you won't have that in your inventory anymore. Yeah, exactly. So it is, it's a very smart app in that respect. The app also encourages you to kind of switch out who the, what they call the leader is. That was smart. It's like every 10 minutes, it's like, okay, pass the torch, you know? Yeah, which we didn't really need, but what, and what... It is hard because you do have to kind of elevate it up. So, like, one thing we did and others were encouraging us to do is put it on top of boxes. Um, Because it was just the two of us, we didn't really need that because we would just kind of pass it back and forth Mm -hmm. and be like, you know, one of us would take a while to look. And then once we kind of hit a wall, we were like, okay, you take it for a while and stuff. And we would pass it back and forth. I still see it being difficult to play with a large group. I think it still probably plays best with two. And the app does have some quirks in terms of how the hint system works a little bit. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, you know, it is very much more successful than many of the escape room in the boxes. I still say Time Stories is the best escape room in the box, even though it's not meant to be an escape room in the box. I would say this is one of the best, um, you know, meant to be escape rooms. Mm -hmm. Um, However, it is a little bit hard to set up. Um, the instructions are not very good. And we actually kind of got clued into why that was later on and yeah. after we played it fun, again. Fun story. Celebrity encounter. Alert. Yeah. <laughs> we were playing this and Tom Vassal of Dice Tower actually came up to us himself. Hat, uh-huh. hat suspenders and all. <laughs> and he made a comment about it saying, how are you guys liking this? And we said, oh, we like it. It's just a little hard to set up. He goes, yeah, it's because it's actually an import to another country. And the translation didn't actually come over well. Yeah. And we were like... Oh, that makes so much more sense because yeah it, it's actually not that hard to set up but the way it describes how to set it up it you're like i 
don't understand what how I'm supposed to do this. And right. we actually, we, when we were playing it, because they only had one copy and it was it was being checked out a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time we were playing it, um, another table came over and said, "Hey, when you're done with that, can we take it? Yeah. Like, can you like we you went up with them and checked it back in, and yeah. then they so checked way they it can back out. Grab it. But um, because you know you're only allowed to check out one game at a time." So, and it was tied to our badges, but you waited and you helped them set it up because you're like, yeah. it's kind of a pain to set up. So let me help you. And, and what's funny is when we were playing it the first time, someone came up and was like, oh, do you know what you're doing? And we were like, oh yeah, because I had watched a video and I was like, oh yeah, I get it or whatever. And then it was like, wait, this is a lot harder to set up. Where'd you go? <laughs> yeah. Because the video I had watched, it was already set up. So I knew how to play it. Right. Um, and so I thought, oh, we just slip these in. It'll be really easy. And then it was like wait, there's two different sides and I don't know which one goes where. And <laughs> Yeah, so I was very happy to help Jennifer and, and the two Heathers. She had two friends both uh-huh. named Heather, you know, for that. But if you do get this game, I can summarize in one sentence how to set it up. Take all the little wall cards, turn them to their blue side, because mm-hmm. that's all you care about, just the blue side. Yeah. Order them alphabetically, A's through R's or whatever, you know, uh-huh. and then also order them one through six. You, you're not going to have all of them. You're not going to have automatically A1, A2 through 6. Yeah. There will be gaps. Don't worry. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Focus them on the blue side or them alphabetically and then put them in the box in order. Pay attention to the numbers on the side of like the 1 and 6 because yeah. however you are, that's going to matter. Yeah. But do that. You'll be fine. Yeah. Like, don't worry about the other side. Don't, don't The way the box it. describes yeah. it, it's very much more confusing. Mm-hmm. Just take my advice. Turn them to the blue side. Order them alphabetically, put them in an order. Yeah. It will set up so much easier. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, it was fun. I don't know. It comes with two different scenarios. From what Tom told us, it sounds like there might not be more because right. it's not doing very well. Um, but, I, you know, it is definitely worth checking out. I was kind of glad we got a chance to play it because I had seen some people playing it. All right. And I originally just thought, oh, it's just another, you know, really bad escape room in the box and it looks expensive and I don't want to buy that. <laughs> but it's definitely worth the try. It's a valiant effort. I love when people try new things. Yeah. And it's a lot more engaging than some of your typical escape room in the box. I would definitely say this is a good one to get and then pass to a friend. Yeah. Because that's the other thing. You're not destroying anything. So that's a. You're big... not destroying anything. And, um, the... and once you do the thing once, it's kind of done. Yeah. But. And here's the other thing too: the boxes that these snares come in are twice as big as they need to be. They can get <laughs> they can get a, a half as the size box yeah. and still fit everything that they need in there. Yeah, that that was just kind of weird. Um, the other good thing though about the app, it's obviously it's free, um, but you also don't have to like sign up for any account or anything, which is nice. Um, which makes it a lot faster, and you know it's just nice to like I don't need an account for everything, especially something I'm only going to use a couple times. Right. Um, another one that I was really excited to play. Um, because we own um, their first game, um, and that is um, Evolution, mm-hmm. um, was the new version um, called Oceans, right. which is supposed to be very similar, but obviously all about ocean creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, and Evolution is a very pretty game, and I've seen um, pictures going around of, of Oceans um, when it came out to Kickstarter and stuff like that of um, of the game, and it also looked really pretty, and I heard that it was going to be there. Um, and they actually had it in their hot game section. It was featured. Yeah. yeah. So it was, that meant when it, when you're, when a game is in their hot game section, it means it's, um, set up the entire time just out there and it's just first come whoever sits down and starts to play it. And they even had it at their special, uh, gaming table. Right. So if you look at our, uh, Instagram and Facebook, yeah. you can see we're on this nice blue table. They had like little cup, cup holders, holders on the side and, yeah. with the recessed gaming section. Yeah. yeah. So it was pretty cool. Um, and we actually got to play it twice. The first time we played it was a little rough. 
um, because we were very tired. <laughs> and I had missed a critical part of one of the rules. Yeah, well, so, we were trying again, to... we, we kind of had a fun time with it. But yeah. We, like, you, we know we missed something. We went back. We played it properly. It was even better. Yeah, and it is... It's like Evolution in a lot of ways, but it's also very different. It's not like they just took Evolution and made it aquatic. Yeah. The, the best way to summarize it, if you have played Evolution, you know that some of the cards kind of worked with each other. Like, there was the one of, like, Symbiosis, where, like, you have the little critters on top of a big critter's back, uh-huh. and then it's protected, or vice versa. Yeah. Or, or, like, you know, it can feed easier, or whatever. This game focuses a lot more on combos, about, like, this guy feeds when he feeds. Mm-hmm. The reason why is because you can have all these species in front of you, but you're only picking one to actively go eat. Yeah, and that is a more difficult mechanic of this game. Um, when we played it the second time, I was having a really hard time getting more than one species off the ground mm-hmm. because of that fact. Right. Um, so it was really because only one can feed. So I really had to make sure that the other one could feed when that one fed and, you know, vice versa. So it took me a lot longer than you and the other guy that we were playing with, um, simply because I was having a hard time, um, getting it to where, you know, my combination of cards wasn't quite working for me. Yeah. So it's very enjoyable though. And Uh I definitely like all the, um, the various abilities. Yeah. My main problem though is that there are a few defensive abilities in there that, <laughs> that are OP that there's no direct counter for. Mm-hmm. In evolution, if you had the uh, the defensive feature of, you know, like a, a hard shell, uh-huh. right? There's a way to get around that. Yeah. If you're a defensive feature of hurting, there's a way to get around it. And here, schooling, as far <laughs> as I can tell, there's no way to get around yeah. it. There is a separate deck of cards called the Deep. Uh-huh. Which I'm sure there's a few Probably. cards in there that you can use to get around it. But I, I just feel like that's a little broken. Uh-huh. But what I did find interesting is in the rules, it does specify if you as a group decide you don't like a certain ability in the game, take it out. The game is still equally balanced. Mm-hmm. So they actually designed it so like things can come and go in the game. Yeah. And it's fine. Mm-hmm. You know. And what's cool is um, not only does the... So the base basic version of the game, um, it has these really pretty like... Um, uh, acrylic um clear uh fishies mm-hmm. um but they actually had because they had like that official demo copy but then they also had their own personal copy in the library and their personal copy had upgraded fish tokens which were these pretty like wooden tokens that were painted and stuff painted to look like actual species like blue tang yeah angel fish things like that yeah so if, if you're interested in the game maybe look at that upgrade because it was pretty nice we're, we're kind of Focusing more on cool upgrades now. That's going to be a future episode, ways to upgrade your game. Yeah. <laughs> Another one that we tried that we kind of had a rough start with, mm-hmm. but then when we finally got the hint of it, it was pretty fun. It's called Burger Up. <laughs> yes, and this was another play-to-win game. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of, you know, I would have liked to have won Sword Crafters. But I really wanted to win Burger Up. But I also would have liked to win Burger Up, although I'm, I fear that it might not, our 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 gaming group might not like it because it's deceptively hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much you're trying to build a hamburger based upon three orders on mm-hmm. the table. And the orders, you you start with your bottom button, which can be anything. And then the top button is like the, the mission goal to accomplish. So you can have like the Western burger. And it'll tell you it has to have barbecue sauce, it has to have bacon, it has to have a meat patty. And it has to be so big. Right? Uh-huh. But the thing is, all the ingredient cards that you have are double-sided. So you'll have lettuce on one side and barbecue sauce on the other. But depending on which one you put down, you're only using one. And then the other one only tells you, okay, you put down lettuce, but the next thing has to be some kind of a sauce. 
Yeah, and well, the barbecue yeah. sauce that's on this mm. doesn't count. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it, it, in your example for the Western burger, okay, you need to put barbecue sauce down. Mm-hmm. So you put that down. But on the other side of the card, it says lettuce. Well, now you, that means you have to put a vegetable down yes. for your next turn. So the symbol is so, more, the symbol is more of vegetarian yeah. uh, choice. So you could put avocado, you could put tomato or onions, uh-huh. but it has to be some kind of a vegetable. And on top of that card, it'll say, okay, now you have to put a cheese. Yeah. But the problem is some of them will have things saying like, oh, it's the vegan option. So no meat, no animal products. Uh-huh. But if you try to put a bunch of lettuce on there or a bunch of other vegetarian options, the next card up from that might say it has to be a meat thing. Yeah. And you're like, well, I can't. So mm-hmm. I can't play this card. Yeah. Um, it was funny when we went in, like I remember one of the first ones that came up was like this breakfast sandwich. Mm-hmm. And I remember like I had, I already had avocado. And one of the ones, because you can also buy a couple of ingredients that yeah. are visible. One of them was egg. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to make this really awesome uh, egg and avocado breakfast sandwich doesn't that sound good or something like that mm-hmm. but like i quickly realized that what sounds good and what you would think would be an appealing combination does not necessarily translate to this game like it is that's not exactly the purpose of this game um the only downside that we kind of found with this game mm-hmm. is that you could really get locked out either at certain points or especially at the end yeah because you know if you're building this burger and um, someone, you know, grabs the the one that you thought you were building towards. They right. got it first. The next thing could come out and it could be that, you know, everything is now vegetarian and you already have two beef burgers that you're working on. Yeah, because you can have <laughs> two hamburgers at once, but then yeah. that's it. And they do have the option of a spatula, which mm. is kind of like a one. It's a two-time use only power, yeah. which essentially lets you like transfer stuff from one hamburger to the other or to just throw it away altogether. Mm-hmm. But if you've already used that twice and then now you're, faced with three vegetarian options and like you said you were building towards two meat burgers meat burgers yeah. and then now you could literally be stuck there and be like well i guess i'm just gonna sit here and wait until uh-huh. someone else clears that because they only have three um top bun choices on there so the only problem with this game is you can literally paint yourself into a corner mm-hmm. and just you're done until someone else fixes it but in, but if you were doing that same problem then we would just have to i guess mulligan those top buns yeah. which is kind of a problem yeah yeah it's, it's not a big problem and i don't think it would happen often because yeah. most likely you're not going to come across that perfect storm yeah. situation but we did have that happen where we had all vegetarian options so i think if you do have that game or want to try it just have the understanding of either okay if we get stuck then we pull then we shuffle one of those back into the bottom of the thing mm-hmm. we pull one thing one new one that's not yeah. going to be a block for us, and then we go for that, you mm-hmm. know. But um, still, overall, I think the concept was good. Yeah. Of stacking hamburgers, you know. Uh-huh. Um, the art is pretty good, too. Yeah, because the really backs cute. of the cards all look like the wrappers that go onto hamburgers. Mm-hmm. Very simple and elegant yeah. design. The only thing I wasn't 100% crazy about was the money tokens. Because mm-hmm. they have money tokens for one... Uh, it's fives and ten dollars and of yeah. course it's like gold silver and bronze i would have maybe liked it a bit better if they did something more thematic with it uh-huh. like maybe the ones are like onions you know the t- or like fries uh-huh. you know yeah. the 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 fives could be like um uh like a shake yeah you know and then the tens i don't know like something uh-huh. like some other kind of side dishes to go along with it but then has the numbers on it mm-hmm. so that way it looks better so yeah. if i was to get this game and ask for an upgrade from uh, our friend who has his own, you know, 3D printing shop, I might ask him, hey, can you make something like this? So that way I can That's more fun. Yeah. yeah. I Yeah. The artwork was really good. I also, you know, really just like the kind of the like 
simplicity of the game. Mm-hmm. It's like we said, it's it's a very basic game. It's really easy to teach someone how to play, um, but deceptively hard still. Yeah, you know. So I like that kind of simple, elegant game. Um, another one we played, which isn't a new game by any means. Um, was Castle Panic new to us? New to not, us. not new. New to us. And we we had actually just came come from a panel um, where one of the designers was speaking, which was a really cool panel of all these game designers mm-hmm. that we attended while we were there. And he had you know talked about the game or whatever, and so we we saw it in the library and we're like, hey, let's let's yeah. play this um, once again. Kind of something I like. Very simple, easy to teach. You could teach this game super fast. Mm-hmm. A kid could understand this game. So very elegant in its simplicity. But very hard. We got our butts kicked. Three times. <laughs> yeah. And we got a chance to go find, uh, his name is Justin DeWitt afterwards. Uh-huh. And I was like, your game is tough. Because <laughs> I know, right? Um, and what's cool is he actually has, um, coming out to Kickstarter, I don't know if it's come out just yet, um, they have this new version. It's kind of like the ultimate version of the game. Right. Um, it's going to come out with these really cool like 3D miniatures. Everything's highly detailed, 3D. It looks amazing. Um, looks really, really cool. I've been cool. wanting to get this game for a while. Mm-hmm. And now that I see that's coming out, I might just hold my money for that. Yeah. Because he estimated. Now keep in mind, this is an estimate. So uh-huh. like, don't take this fully to the bank. Ha <laughs> ha. But it's probably going to come out to be like $80, $90, he said. You know, maybe 100 depending yeah. on how many Kickstarters come in. Uh-huh. But still, it, guys, it looks awesome. Yeah, if you're a fan of this game, definitely look at it because, like, the miniatures are really cool. They have, like, these um, rotating bases mm-hmm. that will tell you um, what their um, health is, is and yeah. stuff. Um, so it is really, it's really cool. It is a very hard game. You know, it's definitely one that I would be tempted to maybe buy simply because, like, I want to figure out how do you win this game? Right. Like I, I, there has to be, there has to, it's not an impossible game. I know it's not. So it just, we could not win for the lives. What's the secret that What's we're the, missing? Yeah. Here? What is the, the mechanic that we're not quite, um, mastering? I think it's just dumb luck, you know, Maybe. but even still like that, there is some strategy involved, but I'm willing to bet it's easier mm-hmm. with, more three people. or four people because Maybe. then there's more options to trade yeah and more getting, cards on the board we kept so. getting stuck that way yeah so. but that's my opinion uh-huh. and i'm probably wrong but you know <laughs> that's fine i'm used to it uh the last one that i just got to bring up that mm. i really enjoyed that we did um was this game that's not quite a kickstarter yet mm. i don't think so but i'm so happy i stumbled upon this so at the convention they had these huge trifold white signs with yellow on them yeah. that says player wanted uh-huh. that essentially says someone has a game set up or they're setting a game up and they are looking for a couple more people to make it a full game right uh-huh. this guy was there and he had a little bit known to me at the time because i had some free time to walk around while yeah. into the room i was like let's go meet someone new let's make, mm-hmm. go make a friend greg's good at that i'm really good at that i like making friends and this guy had unbeknownst to me a demo for a game he was making called puberty <laughs> Puberty uh-huh. is amazing. <laughs> um, so th- the thing about it is it's such a genius concept, right? Where like, it's actually pretty involved. It has mature themes to it. There's yes, lots of, not for kids. There's lots of innuendos. Yes. I, you know what kind I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, it's definitely a conversation starter for the adults at the table yeah. who have gone through puberty. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh man, I remember one time in sophomore year, right? Like my retainer fell out in front of this girl that I liked and it was just awful. <laughs> like you can share stories like that. Yeah. You know? And um, it, it, it was just great on how like he, he took this this concept, this theme and full ran with it and everything feels organic and fits. Uh-huh. You have different clicks 
that you can belong to. And they're like the band geek, the jock, the nerd, uh-huh. the goth. You know? And you're trying to impress them. And yeah. And it's all about popularity. Mm-hmm. It's all about who's the coolest kid. And so every like round of play is your different years in high school, junior, soft, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. Yeah. And then, of course, at the end, it's all about getting to be prom king or queen. Uh-huh. I love the art that he has on here. It looks so good. And, you know, your board is kind of meant to, like, somewhat hide mm-hmm. your scores. But then he designed it to look like the lockers. Yeah. And the things are, like, you're hiding your secrets in your locker, which uh-huh. I thought was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Your scoreboard looks like the scoreboard at, like, in the gymnasium for, like, the home versus visitors kind uh-huh. of situation yeah. on the bleachers. Um, and there's just all sorts of fun stuff in this game that I really enjoyed. You're also putting down good cards of stuff that you did. Like, oh, I got perfect attendance. That's uh-huh. dope, you know. Yeah. But you have to keep in mind every... And here's the real genius part. I, This is one of those things where, like, darn it, I wish I would have thought of this. <laughs> the main guy who invented this, his name is Mike. Mm-hmm. Genius move, Mike. What he did was all the different cliques have between five categories rated for what they like and what they don't like, including things like artistic, scholastic, athletic, criminal. I forget the fifth one, mm-hmm. but, you know, things like that. Yeah. And if, if it's a group, like, let's say it's the... The, the jock. So he's mm-hmm. going to be super into athletics. He has five different dice in front of him with different colors. The most favorite one for each group is gold colored, mm-hmm. which means when you roll a dice, you have a, a five out of six chance of, of winning. Uh-huh. But if you roll the white dice, you only have a one out of six chance of winning. Uh-huh. So like if you're the jock, you do not care about scholastic achievements at yeah. all. So if I put down, oh, I got perfect attendance, that's scholastic achievement, jock's going to say, so what, nerd? Yeah, so he, you have a chance where the jock might roll his car, his dice and still get something where he thinks you're cool. Right. But you have a better chance that he's not going to think you're cool. Right. So you don't want to do something to impress the jock that is not within his wheelhouse. You want to yeah. pick something potentially better you know because there is a chance that he'll like it but there's a good chance he's not and then also the other players are actively trying to make you look like a nerd right. so they're playing what they call note cards on you that purposely mess you up or they're playing or they're playing a rumor card on you and spreading a oh, rumor the rumors about were, you the rumors that also the good part because it's essentially like a side bet uh-huh. saying like i don't think lauren's going to make her role yeah i think she will fail her role and then that will give me more points uh-huh. and that's genius too. yeah and if it goes wrong they actually think that person is cool and you get and you're the loser because you tried to make a false rumor and no one believed it yeah exactly like i said it's so it's it's really cool um and it's he's not quite like he's he's got kind of like this was a demo copy right Right. like this is his something that he's you know taking around and play testing and things like that so he's not quite kickstarter ready but he's he's getting there he's almost there yeah yes like half the cards didn't have the art there Mm -hmm. but like you can tell what was meant to go there and he's got plenty of examples of how the art will look Uh i think he's got his finger in the pulse yeah it's it's gonna it's not gonna be long before it is it it, it's very close he's like if i had to guess 85 90 Mm percent done you know um and that was uh puberty the game Uh um so i would definitely recommend people look up look it up the one funny thing though is apparently i went and sat down and started playing with him and um i flip over the card and essentially it says like well at least you're not a jerk like greg uh, yeah. And I was like, what? And he goes, oh, this is a very anti-Greg game. Maybe you should walk away. I'm like, no, no, I'm doing this. Yeah. So at the very end, I filled out like a little like survey mm-hmm. for his thing, you know, saying like, you know, like how much did you enjoy? What parts did you like or dislike? Would you recommend this to others? And I like put like no 
Greg Frownface. <laughs> and then I scratched that out and said JK. Yes. <laughs> thousand percent yes. You know, yeah. like honestly, I had a great time with mm-hmm. it. Um, it I I have to admit, I, I don't know. I just I even though it's kind of a take that thing, I'm not uh-huh. so much a take that's. If everyone's going to take that equally, I'm mm-hmm. I'm more okay with that. And yeah. I kind of fell in love with the game right there. Like, if he had a copy to sell, I would have bought it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how much I like this game. Yeah. So, really, guys, I if I'm going to see if I can find a link to his page. Because mm-hmm. uh, he gave me his email, but I'll link to his page. But I will find a link to his page, and I will put it on our social media. Yeah, for and for sure, we'll, it deserves it. We'll be looking out for the Kickstarter, and we'll let you guys know when it when it comes up. Because it's a theme that, like, not everyone's doing either. Yeah. Everyone's doing Atlantis right now. Dinosaurs. Everyone's doing dinosaurs. Pure woodland, woodland creatures. That was the other woodland big one creatures. we saw. <laughs> but, like, this is a theme I have not seen much. Uh-huh. And, I mean, I've even come up with a game myself that takes place in high school, but it's nowhere near as, like, awesomely involved as this one mm-hmm. so like i really you know what <laughs> i honestly give you applause mike it was fantastic yeah um we did get a chance we pulled out um corky circuits um which is by um plaid hat games you know we love stuff fables um we're actually just big fans of plaid hat stuff mm-hmm. um so this is one i had heard about and i had seen um i didn't know a ton about but i knew it had cute little miniatures so i wanted to see it um, what's interesting is when we first pulled it out and I started to like see how it worked, I was like, ah, I don't know. This seems kind of basic. Like, I don't know that we're going to like this as much as like right. a stuff fables. But as we got to playing it, um, it really grew on me. Basically you are playing, um, these different robots who have tasks that they need to do to help you around the house. Mm-hmm. So like one of the, the first robots you start off with is essentially like a Roomba who's going around and cleaning the, the room. But, but with a cat riding on it. With a cat riding on it. Um, Because that's cute. Yeah. And what you're doing is you're putting down cards that are um, indicating the movements of this this little Roomba. And that, um, as it's going around, you're you're putting these cards down, but you can't speak to your fellow players. Right. So you're having to program in the movements without speaking and then start flipping them over to see how it's moving. So I don't know necessarily that Greg is putting down the cards that I, I need him to put down. We may be trying to send it in two different directions. So we really have to like trust each other and also kind of like, Okay, what would what way would Greg go, and what way would he think of getting down there, right. and what cards does he have? And this is the reason why, if I have to pick one favorite game in the entire convention, mm-hmm. mine is this one. Wow, really? It, like as much as I just gave so much love and praise to puberty, uh-huh. this one hits me just perfectly because the cards that you have have different back symbols yeah right different robots have different symbols yeah but for example just for the first one with the Roomba and the cat there's only two symbols in the back one shows that it's some kind of a turn or rotation uh-huh. the thing will change direction yeah the other one just shows it's some kind of a movement either forward or backward mm-hmm. right so based upon where i know we need to go on the board and based upon where the cat currently is and which way is facing if you put down move move turn move I can then kind of go through all the different possibilities and logic out. What do I think you have? What do I think you could put down? Mm-hmm. Plus also we have a list of all the possible cards there. Yeah, and there's, only, there's only so, so many. many for each different type yeah. of movement. So like at one point, like I can't tell you much, mm-hmm. you know, or really anything. But I put down like move, turn, move, 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 turn, move. And you looked at me like, what are you doing? And I'm like, trust me, it works. Mm-hmm. 
and like I can't tell you where it's gonna be or which way it's facing, but I just like trust me. Mm-hmm. We're fine. Yeah. And you're like, uh, you know. Yeah, or you know, you might put a bunch of stuff down, and then I might look at you and just be like, "That's it. That's it. No yeah. more." And you would you have just to wave know. Your hand like, okay, be done. You would have to know, like, okay, she only put out three cards, but those three cards must like be extra moves or something. Right. So she's trying to tell me, like, and I got this. Don't don't put anything else down. In my spare time, I would do like logic puzzles. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Trying to figure out, like, with limited information, like, to reason out what the correct solution is. I love that. Yeah. And here, what's also so great is that the game gets progressively harder. Mm-hmm. You know, you start off as a cat just with a Roomba going around. And whatever, you make a mistake, then fine. But by the third level, now you have obstacles that if you hit this, you lose points and make more of a mess for yourself. Yeah. Because you can bump over boxes. Yeah, and you also have limited time in which you can do it. You have, like, this battery check checker that's slowly wearing down. And then eventually you get to the bee who like needs to fly around and pick stuff up so not only do you have movement but you also have to indicate when he picks things up and, and the bee things. also if you go too fast carries momentum yeah. and will keep flying that direction mm-hmm. one more than you mean it to yeah in in the way like stuff fables stuff fables is a great family game it's mm-hmm. a, a kind of way to get kids introduced into rpgs this game also is very much kind of geared towards kids um, but it gets them thinking like logically and yeah. how to, okay, based on what you play, this is what I need to play. Um, so it, it's, I don't want to say it's easier than Stuff Fables. It's just a completely different set of it's skills. It's much more accessible. Yeah. Um, but I, I definitely, like, if you had kids, this would be an amazing game to get. Um, obviously, Plat Hat games are a little bit pricey just because they do have such nice miniatures. Yeah. Um, but if I saw it for a good price, I'd probably buy it. Along that same vein, um, we pulled out another Plat Hat games at one point, um, and that was um, their latest game, Aftermath. Right. Which is sort of like a follow up to Mice and Mystics um, with kind of rodent like creatures in a um, post apocalyptic kind of... world. Yeah, exactly. And, and it is, once again, kind of more of a role playing game. Um, it, one of the problems was the game had already been played and not put open, put away very well. So we were a little bit confused on like what this deck, you know, which deck was which deck and things like that. Um, and it's also just more complicated of a game. And so we were really struggling in that kind of limited time frame to right. figure it out. But I think I got enough of a sense of it and a look at the pieces and stuff that like, I want to paint this game so bad. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I think that... With the taste that we got, and also we really like stuff fables, you know, like, but mm-hmm. that's more aimed towards like children, at least the children's yeah. theme. This is a much more mature theme. We've always talked about wanting to do Mice and Mystics, uh-huh. but considering how much fantasy we have and everything else, and this is such a different theme, yeah. I think if anything, we'll get this game first. Yeah. Plus, the thing I really like is without any major spoilers, this has the ability to build up like a home base, mm-hmm. which will then give you permanent upgrades to different missions you can do. Yeah, so you can go back and do a mission with more upgrades. Because as I understand Mice and Mystics, it's essentially the story of like you got turned into mice and you're just trying to journey to find a way to turn yourself back into human. But here, you're born and raised as mice. It's essentially like you are the secret of Nim because you're from a pet store, then you get smart, and then you know, yeah, exactly, you are making your own society. Well, like I said, with Mice and Mystics, it's we're people who are turned into mice and we're just making do. And I think it's much more interesting to have yourself be intelligent creatures Mm -hmm. rather than temporarily transformed. You know, because now you're trying to 
like etch out a life for yourself in this world of giants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and basically all the humans are gone and you're kind of making do as kind of the new intelligent species. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much the same sort of miniatures and like a little playbook like you see in Stuff Fables and yeah. in their, their other games. Um, the miniatures are super detailed and really pretty and you get a ton of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, it's a really, like, it's another one that's very expensive, but you get a lot. I think it's worth And it. it's, it's a really cool game. Like, just a little taste of what the kind of stories are like, you know. Uh-huh. The very first story we have is we have to go to the dungeon of Enjo mm-hmm. to retrieve the snoodles, right? <laughs> Which turns out, if you actually look at it from a human point of view... It's a vending machine that once said enjoy, but the, uh-huh. y, but the Y fell off. So it's just Enjo <laughs> now. So the dungeon is the inside of a vending machine. And yeah. you're trying to get the onion noodles. Yeah. Like chips, you know. Yeah. But and like, it's amazing. It's kind of like if you saw the remake of Planet of the Apes that Tim Burton did. Uh-huh. Where like their sacred place is called Kalima. Uh-huh. But it's actually just a sign with a lot of dust on it that said caution live animals. <laughs> Spoiler alert for yeah. the 2000 version of Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Yeah, so it, you know, I think just Plaid Hat is becoming one of our favorite um, game publishers. You know, so far, everything we've seen from them, we really like. Yeah, so that pretty much wraps up our experience, mm-hmm. though, at the... We did, real quick, we're not going to talk about it because we've we've all played this game. Um, we did get a sneak peek at the latest Villainous, which I think is coming out, like, the week that we're recording this. Right. They actually already had a copy. Um, it's Cruella DeVille. It's Cruella DeVille. It's Pete from Steamboat Willie and one of my favorites, actually, Mother Gothel from Tangle. Yeah, and um, we had fun playing it. I played oh. Cruella DeVille, um, and it was a really close game. <laughs> right, but I was storytelling the heck out of Mother yeah. Gothel. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm just such a good mother. I'm going to show you. I don't need this crown. I'm going to throw it away and earn your trust and win the game. Yeah. <laughs> um, so definitely be on the lookout for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much the games we played. Like we said, we did go to a panel, um, which was fun. We didn't make it up to any of the um, events they had. Obviously, they had some tournaments, and then they also had some big uh, social deduction games going I on. I wanted to, but I just didn't get a chance to. But yeah, I still had a great time. Yeah, um, we you know we got a chance to go through all the vendors. We got to demo some new games and stuff like that. Um, we didn't win any of the giveaways. One of the things we did do, which was we didn't get to do last year because I got very sick mm-hmm. right at the end of the con and we had to leave early. Um, we got to go to their flea market. Which is amazing. That's which, the best part. It was So it was insane. Like we, they came around and said, oh, the line is starting to form. And we're like, the line? What, what line? And we go out and this huge line's forming. So we got in it and thankfully we did that because it got exponentially larger um, because the room was very small. So they would only let so many people in at a time. Yeah. Um, so things were getting bought up really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got some really good deals on some stuff. Um, some things that we had been wa- looking for for a while and just weren't ready to pull the trigger on, you know? But I mean, like some of those deals and they were like 50% off. Yeah. Some like. of those were really good deals. And you know, you kind of, some people had the same game. So you had to kind of look and see, oh, well they're selling it for 40, but they're selling it for 20. But and- at the same time, like if I see it on the table for 20, I don't want to walk away and look for a better deal because when I come back, that's going to be gone. Yeah, and, and it's, it got really crowded and it, people were really buying. So you kind of had to make your picks quick and get in and get out. So at um, one point I saw the Harry Potter Battle for Hogwarts game, which I know I wanted. I know in stores it goes for like 40 bucks, maybe 50, 20 bucks sold. Yeah. Like, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll, you know, we're going to do a separate segment in a future episode where we talk about all the games that we did end up buying while we were at Dice Tower. Um, we're not going to do that today. We also did get a chance to go to an escape room while we were there. 
Um, you're not going to hear about that in this episode, but um, next month's episode, we'll be talking about that escape room. Which was a back-to-back. A back-to-back experience, yeah. So definitely stay tuned for that next um, episode. But let's now go into some um, some advice from our past selves on how to attend um, conventions. See how well we did with it, right? Yeah. So for our dice roll, I thought because we're doing a convention-themed episode Mm -hmm. that we would give some advice on if you are attending a convention, be that something like Dice Tower or something else, um, some of our advice for attending that. And we're actually recording this ahead of time. So if there's anything that we decide is bad advice later on, we might suddenly cut in and correct ourselves. Oh, I will pull on say like, don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> and granted, we are not experts because we have not been to that many conventions, but I definitely think there's things we learned from our last time at Dice Tower that I think um, we can kind of help you maybe navigate some stuff if you're planning on going to a convention. Right. So I think the first thing is something that's very, as I said, we're recording this ahead of time. So we are about a week away from the actual Dice Tower. So one of the things that's really hot on our mind right now is making sure that we remain healthy for the convention. Yeah, because our first experience last year, we were fine going into it, Mm -hmm. but coming out, oh boy. Yeah, yeah. I ended up getting the flu while we were there, and you barely made it home before the flu hit you. Right. So we definitely do not want that to happen um, this year. We've got way too much going on, and it was terrible last year. I think I was bedridden for at least two days. Pretty much like... We left a little bit early because you're like, I'm not feeling well. And mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh, I bet I could go in before. Because it's like a three or four hour drive versus yeah. home. And during the last like half hour, the only thing that kept me going was just the pure instinctive like, stay alive. Stay alive. <laughs> if you fall asleep, you will die. Stay yeah. alive. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was definitely in no, in no position to drive. I could barely eat at that point. Um, so yeah, so we're, you know, we... We are big believers in um, emergency, which is like extra vitamin C. Mm -hmm. So we're taking that regularly. We're also taking zinc right now. And vitamins and and sanitizing, everything. And making sure that we um, are staying very uh, hydrated and things like that. That's the other thing. Um, Because like the convention we're going to is in Vegas, um, it is dry. The climate is dry. And then also just the hotels tend to be very dry. There's a lot of air conditioning going on. Um, not a lot of great ventilation and stuff. So I remember even before I got sick last time, um, my skin just felt really dry and I just felt really dry. Plus out. you have like not severe, but like a little bit of asthma Yeah, and all the smoke there doesn't help either. True. Yeah. So like right now that's like a big thing. And I think that's something that any convention you go to, there's a lot of people and a lot of germs being passed around. Right. So, so make not sure you to, give your immunity system a big boost ahead of time. Yeah. So not to be germaphobic about it, but definitely, you know, do what you need to do to stay healthy. When you go, also think about how you're going to stay healthy, not only before, but while you're there. Mm-hmm. So like for us, we're making sure that we are packing plenty of liquids and stuff because last time we were able to, we, we found out later, we did take some water, but we didn't take a lot of stuff. Right. And really we could have. So we're making sure that we take plenty of things this time um, to stay hydrated. We also are going to have lots of hand sanitizers and things to sanitize what we're touching yeah. um, to try to make limit our exposure to germs. Just keep in mind, we're going to a board game convention mm. where they're going to have games that you can play for free that anyone can pick up and grab. So like, I think that's kind of what got us last time. Yeah. It's like, 
I'm now playing with a game that 10 other people have played with. It's essentially like that sex ed, like, thing that uh-huh. they do in high school, like, but with board games. Yeah. It's like the most virgin thing, you know? Um, but even if you're not going to a board game convention, if you're going to, like, a comic book convention or something, uh-huh. where there's not going to be as much, like, hands-on stuff, it's still a good idea to give your immunity system an extra, like, boost beforehand. Yeah. And to make sure that, like, you're practicing safe, like, health techniques of, you know, try not to get too close to the people's faces, mm-hmm. you know, like, try not to touch your face after you've touched other things. Yeah, you know, yeah, that, definitely like... don't touch your face. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think any convention you go to, you're going to be with a lot of people. So you've got to think about the germs and things like that and mm-hmm. trying to keep yourself healthy. Um, and, you know, I think that's important beforehand and also while you're there as right. well. Um, so just be health conscious of that. You know? Yeah. Um, another thing I think that's important is to always go and check out the online forums mm-hmm. for the different conventions or whatever the event is. Because I guarantee you in this day and age, there will be an online forum or like a Reddit or something of people talking about it. And the uh-huh. reason why that's good and important to do is first of all, it gets you a sense of the community that's going to be there. Because mm-hmm. usually it's people who are actually going to show up that are eager yeah. to do it. And you might even find out about some cool events or like side things going on mm-hmm. that you otherwise would not have been aware of. And yeah. Maybe you want to go check those out. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I know for, you know, the convention we're going to, there's a lot of stuff that people are just hosting themselves. Like right. I'm going to have this one game. It requires a lot of players or it requires a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Who wants to come do it as well? And that's something you might not find out about if you were just kind of showing up. And- yeah. Like last year, I, I remember seeing that the, somebody just got together this group for that werewolf game that can go up to like uh-huh. 30-something players. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. But they're like halfway through and I don't, you can't just join uh-huh. halfway through, you know? Yeah. But that would have been awesome to like finally be a part of a huge epic game like that. Mm-hmm. I think kind of along that lines, you know, it's good to look at any kind of schedules or programs ahead of time and kind of go in with a little bit of a plan. But at the same time, don't over plan what you're going to do there. Be a little bit flexible and a little bit see things as they come. Don't plan your day down to the very last hour. Mm -hmm. Um, Go and experience and let things happen when they happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, There's something to be said for, you know, what if you get there and you see this other game going on that's really cool and you're like, oh, but I already planned to go to this other thing well, do you have to go to the other thing? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, be flexible in your schedule. Part of the fun is the surprise mm-hmm. and just going where the river takes you. Yeah, you for know? sure. And then also along with that for not over planning, be willing to even branch out from that one event and mm-hmm. check out some of the other local things to check out. You know? Yeah. Like, I mean, yes, the one we're going to this year is in Vegas. So, of course, there's lots of things to do there. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, another major one is, like, the San Diego Comic-Con. So, of course, there's yeah. things to do there. But, I mean, we went to a um, comic book convention once with friends that was in Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of interesting things to do around there besides just that convention hall. Yeah. You know, so, like, if you're going to be there for, like, multiple days, mm-hmm. maybe schedule just an hour or two for one of the days to just explore outside the main building. Yeah, I think... What else is around? Yeah, it's important to kind of... You know, branch out a little bit and maybe take advantage of where the convention is and what it has to offer. Mm -hmm. But once again, don't over plan yourself at all to where you are planning to do all these things away from the convention. 
you know, for us going to like going to Dice Tower, for instance, yes, we're in Vegas. Vegas has a wealth of other things we would love to do. Mm-hmm. We could go to a bunch of shows if we wanted to. We could right. do. And I, I know a lot of people I have noticed are saying like, oh, well, I also got tickets to such and such mm-hmm. or, you know. But at Which the same awesome, time, yeah, yeah and, and we're planning on doing um, an, an escape room while we're there. Because it's us. Because it's us, yeah. But also, we are not planning something every night. Even last time when we went, um, we did two escape rooms on two different nights. Right. And although that was very fun, we did definitely have some regrets about having to leave the convention and not getting to take part in some of that evening gaming time. Right. Um, and also because, you know, when you do something outside of it, it's not just that that time, like, you know, an escape room's an hour or whatever. There's also the time that you need to take to travel and the time it takes to get back. And also with games that were like, well, we can't really start anything right now because we're going to have to leave in a half hour. So we don't, That's you know. That's kind of the problem, yeah. It, yeah. It like puts like not just the time of when you're going to be physically leaving, but also like, yeah, a kind of like void buffer. Exactly. Before or after. So if you are going to do something like that and you're doing something like this board game convention, mm-hmm. I would recommend for that buffer time of like, it's, we only have half an hour, I can't start anything. Uh-huh. Go browse the library, find a game that looks interesting, make a note of it. And then when you have time later, look up how to play it. Yeah. Because one of the things I really, really don't like to do, and Mm -hmm. we talked about it before, is to sit at a table with a game and, like, try to figure out how to play while everyone else is waiting for you to figure out how to play it so that you can teach them. Yeah. You know, like, fine. Then, like, okay, make a note of it in the cab, right, to your place. Try to watch the YouTube how to play video. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Maximize your time that way. So I think what we're saying is, you know, yes, I think it's good to branch out and take advantage of wherever that convention may be, what's what else that city has mm-hmm. to offer. But at the same time, remember, you know, you're going to this convention and you want to go to this convention. Yeah. And you want to be there. And just I know from our own experience where we thought we were going to do all these other things in Vegas. And then when we got there, we were like, we really just want to play the games and we want to be a part of the convention. We don't really want to go all these other places. Right. You know, and I and so kind of going into this one we're already kind of playing that because we also thought about doing some other things. And then we were like, you know what? We'll book these escape rooms. We'll do that one night. We'll see the other nights, but we're not going to put anything in stone. Right. I'm just saying, like, you know, be willing to take a look around, you know? And then, you know, do research ahead of time. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe there is nothing around there that would interest you outside of the main event. That's fine. Or maybe some of the stuff is, it's a little too far away and you're like, oh, like, is that really worth my time? You know? But just like, be willing to look into alternative entertainment options. Yeah, for sure. Just, you know, don't overbook your time. Yeah. And don't run yourself ragged either. Like, oh, well, I want to do this, but I also want to go over here. Like, once again, back to your health. You know, remember. Yeah, because that will only... actually stress you out. <laughs> exactly. There's only 24 hours a day. And also, that's the other thing. If you're, you know, for, you know, for these gaming conventions, the gaming library is open 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So you also might not be getting as much sleep as Pace you used yourself. Yeah. So that's another where your health can definitely come to be a and, factor. And at least in Vegas, it's like in a big like kind of convention ballroom kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But there's no windows. There's no yeah. clocks. You don't see so outside. Like, unless you have an eye on your phone or your mm-hmm. watch, you're not going to have any idea how much time has passed. Yeah. So like we at one point looked down and we're like, 
Dane, it's like 11.30 p.m. We should get to bed. <laughs> yeah. Remember how we paid for a bed that we can sleep in while we were here? Let's yeah. go use that. Remember that hotel room we have somewhere here? <laughs> oh, can you even find it? Not without a map. Yeah. <laughs> I think the other thing to consider, and you know, once again, this is kind of drawing on our experience with this convention in particular, but I think it's true for any conventions, is think about what food options and things you have available to you as Mm -hmm. well. You know, one of our regrets from last year is, first of all, we have free parking and we are driving. So we can pretty much take whatever we want, right? right? Also, last time our mini fridge was completely empty. So I remember kicking myself because I was like, we could have brought in drinks and stuff. And they did have a place where you could kind of buy drinks, but it was way overpriced and they didn't really have what we wanted anyway. I think they were were selling Pepsi and we don't really like Pepsi. We're Coke people. And, um... In the food places we had there, it was either a really nice sit-down restaurant or, like, fast food pizza and stuff like that. Like, fast food pizza that we used to sell, like, the student commons at college, you know? Yeah. Um, So, you know, think about that, too. Like, you know, for some people, I know they were all, like, saying, oh, you know, don't go to the expensive Benihana's. Go to these uh, fast food places. And, like, for us, we're kind of like, well, we're trying to watch what we're eating and yeah. we're trying to be more healthy. And so we're kind of looking at those places going, oh, we don't want to go to those places, nor do we want to go to the really expensive places. Plus, some people so, might have dietary restrictions. Yeah. You might be a vegan. Mm-hmm. So, like, make sure that you research ahead of time, like, where is a place I can get Yeah. Food? And like, also, if, you know, you're not getting enough sleep and you're also eating junk food and things like that, you're not going to feel your best. Um, so, you know, that's things we're thinking about is we're planning to bring some snacks and things like that so that maybe we can limit the amount of times we have to go for meals, Mm -hmm. but we will probably be looking at other places that we can go to for those meals. Right. And don't be afraid to like step away from the main event to go get something to eat. Yeah. Keep yourself fueled. (laughs) Remember the point of this is to enjoy yourself and have fun. Yeah. If you feel like you're having to like march on glass to Mm -hmm. like get something done, stop. Yeah. Go fix whatever your problem is, whether you need to rest, whether you need to eat or get something to drink, you will be thankful later. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, most of us are taking off time from work or from our busy lives to go do this. So you might as well have fun and enjoy yourselves. Yeah. Really. Speaking of having fun and enjoying ourselves, we actually recently did yet another uh, very fun and enjoyable escape room with the wonderful legendary basement. Mm -hmm. So let's go and go to our escape room report and talk about the courtyard. So I think it's it's safe to say that one of the most pop popular and famous escape rooms in especially in los angeles but probably in america in general is a company called the basement Mm -hmm. and they have locations in la and um, a location in vegas i don't believe they have another location but i could be wrong um and they're not really a chain they're kind of just an individual owns him he just opened another location to kind of maximize um how many people are coming now we've obviously only been to the um la location but from what i understand they're both identical um and i would say that after you know what almost 80 escape rooms the basement is still pretty high on our list of all-time favorites definitely um and they are called the basement and they do have a room called the basement but they also have other rooms as well and this is one of those i don't know if i want to say the word rare 
but uncommon examples mm -hmm. of each room is actually part of an overarching narrative. Yeah. Many times when you go to an escape room location, mm -hmm. they may have different rooms, but it could be like, this one's Alice in Wonderland themed, this one is a zombie theme. Uh -huh. It's not going to be Alice in Wonderland merges into zombies. Yeah. They're two separate stories. Mm -hmm. It's like different books on the shelf. But in this case for the basement and some other ones, like remember when we talked about Evil Genius and uh -huh. how that had two rooms that were actually back-to-back same narrative experience uh -huh. this one is the same narrative experience of you start off in this guy named uh i think it's richard tandy's uh, basement. edward tandy, edward tandy. Believe, yeah edward tandy's basement if you do escape mm -hmm. it's kind of like interesting it's like either you escape or you don't mm -hmm. you know if you don't escape you're dead if yeah. you do escape then you wind up in his study. Mm -hmm. And if you don't you don't escape, you're dead. If you do escape, then you wind up in his courtyard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you can you can play these rooms out of order. N nothing says you can't. Yeah, it's and not like, oh, do you remember the puzzle from room one? Yeah, no. And it's not like the story won't make sense, but there is kind of this overarching story about the serial killer who purposely likes to kind of play with his victims and give them a chance to right. escape. And it's interesting to think about how you were in some guy's basement. You managed to get out, as, like in your mind, go up the stairs. And, and now get you're into in the his main house. house. Yeah. Now you're trying to get out of the house and now you're in his backyard. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's kind of fun to build that narrative. But you are correct. If I just jump straight to number three with mm -hmm. no prior context for number one or two. You're not going to. They yeah. give you enough narrative context with each room to understand the basic premise of what's happening. Yeah, yeah. So don't feel like you have to go in order. Um, and we've done all of the rooms um, that they've had to offer to this point until they came out with the courtyard about a year ago. And we just haven't had a chance to get back until mm -hmm. now. Um, I will say their main flagship room, the basement, which is probably their most famous room, is actually not my favorite of all their rooms. I was about to ask you, which is your favorite? Well, I think well, we should get into that after we, we talk We'll about. get it to the end. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we did their their latest room, the courtyard. Mm -hmm. um, and this is, I believe, is the final chapter where you've made it out into his courtyard. What about his house. the street? Like, yeah, you know, I know, right? What Who about, knows? What about the school district? <laughs> you know? And I would say in true, and I, I will say the basement rooms are all relatively scary rooms. Yes. So, you know, be prepared for that. Um, I think they have different levels of how scary they are. Um, the courtyard is you finally essentially made it to like the outside of his house, mm -hmm. essentially. Um, and in true basement fashion, the set design and atmospheric quality is... Next Holly level. Yeah, yeah, Hollywood movie level. Like, it is amazing. Like, when we were, quote, outside the the house, I legit felt like I could be outside. There, There is, and this isn't giving a spoiler because you can see it in pictures, there is literally a trailer, like, a trailer that you would pull behind a vacation, you know, a camping trailer that you would pull behind a car. That you can car. sleep in. Is literally in there with yeah. you. Like they put an entire trailer in there. And there's like rocks and dirt back. Oh there. yeah, we got we got really dirty. In fact, we had a first time in this room. Greg ripped his the knee of his pants. I actually got injured. Yeah, yeah which we'll talk about <laughs> later. Not majorly. So to start off this room, you start off in a very small space, like a tool shed. What yeah, was it? I think so. Oh, like not like a garage. Yeah, I'm it not, was like a yeah. tool shed. Yeah, I think so. Or maybe like the mud room. Maybe. Because it was still technically part of the house. True, So yeah. it's kind of like the mudroom or like mini garage. Uh-huh. Because there's like a freezer in there or something. Yeah. But there's also like places where like he hangs his like work clothes. His yeah. like yard work clothes, you know. Mm -hmm. So it was a weird room, but I yeah. liked it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and your only kind of option to get out of this room is through an unconventional method. Which anytime we see a small dark hole, it's instantly Greg get in the hole. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm about six foot, mm. you know, I'm not fit. I'm not super obese. I'm in between, you know, I'm working on it, yeah. but like, I'm not exactly a small petite guy. Uh-huh. And there was like, Hey, get in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> so like I get in this hole, right. Mm-hmm. Which climbs down. Yeah. And I can't quite turn around to like army crawl on my stomach through there, which I would prefer. Cause mm-hmm. then I could go head first and explore with my hands. Right. Yeah. I have to, there's, there's no room unless like everyone's willing to hold me by my ankles and like and lower him, lower in. him down, which like, that's not going to work because you drop if, him on his head. Even if it's as joke, you would. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I have to go in feet first and there's sort of like this, almost like a mini maze I have to mm-hmm. go through down there. And so it was dark down there too. I could kind of barely see, but not really. But at one point something sharp was reaching out and it actually like ripped my jeans and cut into my leg a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm fine now, obviously. Yeah. But um, it, it was just like something to come loose. Uh-huh. I think, you know, like a bit of um, chain link. Like mm-hmm. a, an edge just happened to be sharp. And I told them about it afterwards yeah. so they could fix it. But um, thank goodness we were told ahead of time, oh, you could get dirty in this room. Yeah, so I we wore, all got pretty dirty. So I wore my like yard work like Yeah, he wore like his oldest pair of jeans. That are like really fading anyway. So yeah. like I say they ripped my jeans. To tell the truth, the jeans were probably going to rip it soon anyways. <laughs> so like... Once again, take that pressure off of the room. Yeah. It was kind of more on the structural integrity of my existing jeans. Yeah, but I mean, just like, you know, we've done rooms before that felt like they were outside, which is always really cool when mm-hmm. they can achieve that. But like, literally, we all came out with like a ton of dust on our jeans. It, like, we looked like we had all oh, been at outside. At one point, like, we're walking around and we did this with like a full group. Mm-hmm. And like, just such a dust cloud got kicked up. I know. I was like, we're all like, <laughs> can, can we like stop? So yeah, like, everyone stand still for a minute. Yeah. Um, Let this settle so we can see what we're yeah. doing. Yeah, and we did it with a full group because, so the basement does have options to um, do private rooms, but they don't have that option on um, major, like, um, your weekends, right? right? Because they get so much business that they don't want to limit themselves. So you can, you know, you can kind of understand. Okay. And I, I appreciate mean, they give you the option for private rooms during the week. Yeah, and I mean, if you, obviously, if you want to do the room without anyone, you have the option to book it out. But, you know, that's going to be more expensive. Um so we, we purposely tried to go with as many people as possible. Um, this room goes up to 10 and it is very large. That first room you go in, it's a little small, but it's meant to kind of like freak you out because it's kind of yeah. tiny. But still um, big enough that you could fit 10 people. Yeah. And We've done rooms where it says you could fit eight and like no yeah. way to fit eight people. But yeah, room. but it opens up to a much larger space. Also, there's a lot of, because of that, there's a lot of square footage to cover. And so once again, not only did we not want to be paired with strangers, which is why we took, you know, our full group. Um, but we also, we know that the basement rooms tend to be more difficult. And if it was a large space, we wanted enough people to be able to cover the area and make sure we had all eyes on things. Also, the basement's a bit different from most escape rooms in that you do not get an hour. You get 45 minutes. No, yeah. Most of their rooms, in fact, yeah, none of their rooms are an hour. Um, they're all, it looks like they're all 45 minutes. So having an extra pair of hands and an, especially an extra mind or two uh-huh. really pays off yeah. in these situations. So we definitely, and and also I should say they, they do it a little differently, but the basement doesn't necessarily give you hints. Not traditionally like most escape rooms right. do. They, if they have a live actor, sometimes the live actor might nudge you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. That's 
not their entire purpose. They have they have a purpose to fulfill in the room. Yeah. Um, but sometimes they will maybe nudge you a little bit if needed. But they're not like the, you can't necessarily ask them for a hint and they will give it to you. Like that's not really how it works. And I like that. And that's so much better than like, as we said before, if we're like struggling uh-huh. and all of a sudden the guy gets in the PA like, Okay, if you turn this to the left, I didn't ask you. Yeah, you know. yeah, they, it, they don't do their rooms that way. Um, so, you know, you are kind of on your own in some respect. It, it's it's almost kind of a scary predicament. I know when we were in the study in particular, one of their other rooms, you don't find the actor for a little while. And mm. I remember just being like, at one point we were lost, and it was like I had that realization. We have no way... Of, I mean, yes, they're watching us. And yes, I think they probably do have a PA where they could come on and say, don't touch that if you're doing something wrong. Right. But we have no way to communicate to them and say we're stuck. And they have no real way of communicating back to us. And it was kind of this weird moment of like, oh, wow. There's we, no hole in your hand know, right now. Yeah. yeah, we are completely without um, a tether here. So we have to figure this out on our own. There's no getting around this. Right. Uh, you know what? That's a good point. I never realized that. Mm-hmm. But... There is no hint system in the first third of that room. Yeah. Even still in that room, the hints that you could get is not going to be a lot of help. Yeah. Like, even in the basement when it's almost like in the category of unreliable narrator, Mm -hmm. in terms of like the quote hint system, like that's still like better than what you get in the study. Yeah. Where like the person isn't really there to be a hint system, they're Uh more there to be like another puzzle. Yeah, and and they're playing a role, you know. I I do think, you know, the second time we did, because we, um, the basement actually is one of the few locations where we have failed the room. We failed the original, their original room, the basement, the first time we did it. Oh, that's right, we did. Um, The second time we did it, uh, the actor did clue us into something at the very end. And I really think the only reason she did that is because we were so close. We basically just needed to find one more thing. And then that was it. And we couldn't find it. And so she kind of hinted us where it might be. And like I said, I think the only reason she did that is because we were so Tragically close. close yeah. yeah. It was literally like, we know exactly what we need to do. We just need to find, you know, this final you know, baseball card or whatever it was, you know? Um, And so I think that's why she pointed us in the right direction. If you weren't, if we weren't that close, I don't think she would have. Um, So I think that's, you know, that's where I say like, they don't really have a clue system. You might get a little help, but it's not going to be straightforward help. Which is what another thing that makes them so unique. Yeah, exactly. Other than the dirty, gritty, macabre theming that they have across the Yeah, and just the, like we said, fantastic theming um, throughout. Um, Puzzle-wise, this room, you know, this room definitely stumped us all. Um, I felt useless in this room at one point. I was like, I have no clue. Yeah, I mean, you know, granted, we we did have a lot of chefs in the kitchen. So that kind of made it hard because different people were working on different things. And we didn't always know what the other person was doing or seeing. Yeah. Um, But, like, we got down to the wire in this room. Like, we did. I we think we had less than a minute left. Yeah, we almost didn't escape. We did escape, but we almost didn't. Um, it definitely stumped us. And that was with us using like eight or nine people. Yeah, exactly. And um, I would say there were maybe a couple logic leaps in some of this stuff. Yeah, um, it's not perfect, but it was still enjoyable. Yeah, you know? but yeah, and still, 
you know, interesting puzzles and puzzles. The, the other thing that the basement does pretty well is their puzzles make sense to the narrative and to your um, location. Mm -hmm. So it's not a, a bunch of opening locks and finding keys. Yeah. You know, one of the things that the basement does really well, um, they've done it in our other rooms. If you've listened to some of our past episodes where we talked about their rooms, um, they do some fun things with like, playing with wires mm -hmm. <laughs> which might not sound like the most safe thing but you know they do it in a safe way but yeah there was this thing where we had to short out all these panels and match certain wires and figure out based on a diagram okay this box turns on the lights to this one so if it's this one we need to do all the reds right. or if it you know things like that um that once again makes sense to the room and what we're doing right you or know? like in the courtyard they have a thing that's kind of like, you know, a chemistry set. Uh -huh. And you have to follow someone's like notes they've written in their textbook mm -hmm. of like, it's almost like doing the Harry Potter thing for like, you know, when he finds that book that was Snape's. Uh -huh. Spoilers for Harry Potter. <laughs> where it's like, you know, don't use this, that's stupid, do this instead. And yeah. it's like, wait, am I going based upon what's officially written here? Uh -huh. Or what like this other crazy dude wrote? Yeah. How much can I trust crazy? Uh -huh. You know, it's like, well, it's crazy. Yeah. You know? And, you know, there's basically at one point you have to kind of like mix chemicals and you have to like basically mix them and see what the result is. And then that tells you which chemical it was because you don't know, right. you know, and which, things like you know, that can be scary because if you get it wrong, something bad can happen. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and you know, once again, like one of the things they do really well, um, is like their audio and the atmosphere they create. Um, they like to create moments of tension with different things like mm -hmm. barking dogs. And also they're really good at kind of pushing you to your, limit in terms of what you're comfortable with because yes you're in a safe environment yeah and you know you're not gonna get hurt right but like there's things that sometimes even though you know this isn't gonna hurt me you still your body responds to this idea of oh yeah no i'm not gonna do this like in one of their other rooms at one point you have to reach your hand into something that sounds like a cage with a snarling dog and they're doing puffs of air on your hand. And you know it's not a real dog. And you know that there's not a real dog in there. You know that it, if there was a real dog in there, it's not a dog that's going to bite your hand off. But the Pavlovian response yeah. is, I should not put my hand in Tell there. Tell that to my fight or flight instinct. Exactly. Tell that to my brain. You know, it's the same as, um, so not this room, but um, their other room, the basement, at least they used to. And they have made some changes, um, we noticed when we were there. They used to make you put essentially a hostage hood over your head. Oh, yeah. And go in. And just that act of putting the hostage hood over your head is a little freaky. Like your body automatically is readying itself for some kind of attack. Even though you know nothing bad's going to happen to you. You know, it's still that response. No, yeah, I agree. It, mm -hmm. It's definitely unnerving. Yeah. Especially if you've never had, I think that was the first time that ever happened to us. Uh-huh, like, yeah. Like, we've been led into dark rooms essentially doing, like, a conga line. Uh -huh. Where, like, you put your hand on my shoulders and the other guy's, like, grabbing my hands and slowly walking me forward. Uh-huh. But, like, to have a hood put over your head when you've never had that happen before, it's very, like, oh, 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 we're doing this. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. I think one of the things I do think that's important to understand with the basement is some of the things, like, if you went back and listened to some of our earlier episodes, and I, I don't remember if we covered the, the basement itself in one of our earlier episodes. I know we talked about the elevator shaft, which is another one of their rooms, which yeah. is a, an amazing room. 
Um, but the basement itself, that's like their first starter room, right? That they first started out with. And it kind of set a standard, I think. I did. And I think that's what's important here is it set a standard. Some of the things in the basement now, if you have done a tons of rooms and you go to do the basement for the first time, you might be like, oh, this again. But what you don't understand is they did it first. Yeah. And they're the ones everyone is trying to copy. So when something in the basement itself might seem passe or overdone, it's just because everyone has copied them, essentially. Right. You know? It's like when you find out where the origin of like a popular catchphrase mm-hmm. is. And it's like, okay, but like, you know... Jim Carrey was the first one to say all righty then. Yeah. But like back in the day, that was cool because no one had ever said that before. Uh-huh. So like, of course we caught on to it, you know? Yeah. But like now it's like, it's been 20, 30 years. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's old and past. Yeah. Same here, you know, like it just has such a legacy, the basement. Like mm-hmm. other rooms around us have to specifically tell people don't mess with light sockets. Yeah. Because one room <laughs> around here Close parentheses, we cannot legally say, but it is the basement. Yeah, d- does, does that. that. Yeah, and but we're not going to do it. Um, yeah, it, it's just definitely like they, a lot of people have tried to live up to them and a lot of people have gotten their ideas. And I would venture to guess a lot of people were inspired to create their own escape room from the basement. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I think, you know, if you go back to some of their older rooms, don't think that they are passe. It's literally they set the standard. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also why it's interesting when they keep coming up with new rooms. You know, as sad as we were when their previous room, and you'll have to forgive me because I can't remember what it was called. The boiler room. The boiler room, yes. We were sad when the boiler room went away because it was kind of a cool, it was only a four-person one. Right. And I think it was only like 30 minutes or something. It was definitely smaller and um, yeah. It was, yeah. We were sad when it went away. But then they opened the elevator shaft, and the elevator shaft has probably got to be one of the craziest rooms we've ever done, and is definitely probably one of our favorite rooms that we've yeah. ever done. Um, so, you know, seeing them continual, continually pushing that envelope is really cool. Like, I would hate for them to replace other rooms, but at the same time, like, you who knows? You only have so much space. Yeah, they only have so much space, and who knows what else, like, that guy can come up with. The guy who runs it is pretty amazing. Right. I mean... It'd be hard to like choose which one to get rid of if they have to get rid of one because uh-huh. they're all such precious children, you know. Yeah, but. yeah. And do you get rid of like the original namesake, the basement that started it all, just because it's the oldest? You right. Know? That's hard to say. Yeah, it's like you know getting rid of a favorite child for sure. Um, so I would say I enjoyed the courtyard. It was a little bit of a frustrating room just because there were, I would say, a couple logic leaps, but yeah. for the most part, it was still. Very enjoyable. And like I said, just the ambiance alone was like so cool. Right. And there was a few puzzles where there was minute details Mm -hmm. between like this puzzle piece and that puzzle piece. Yeah. That we didn't catch at first. Mm -hmm. So we're like, well, we can't because like it's not working. It should work. It's like it's exactly the same. No, it's not the same. Well, we think it looks the same. So it should work. Yeah. And I will say this um because we've done the basement twice Uh and we've done the study twice you know yeah Uh, and in both cases uh we got to see multiple or different uh actors Mm -hmm. in there right yeah like i remember very specifically in the basement the first time we went it was a guy and he was amazing the second time it was this woman yeah not to say there was anything wrong with the woman but the guy we had event in the first one Mm -hmm. he was good but (laughs) what was great is that like they had the basic character Mm -hmm. of like victim Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's not a spoiler to say like in the basement yeah. there's another victim. But 
the the choices they make they play it differently yeah you know the the guy in our experience played it as if like he has been so tortured that he is now mentally like a two-year-old mm-hmm. like he is just gone yeah. he's looney tunes now yeah but the girl she played it as if like she's only been there for like maybe a and week she or is two. just terrified and out she of her is mind. like you know um silence of the lamb stuck at the bottom of the well yeah you know like yeah. desperate to get out but at the same time realizing yeah. the futility of trying yeah if anything she's she she kind of ramps up the panic because she's just like why aren't you working to get us out of here? Yeah. You know, like that's her taste where the other guy is just sort of like, oh no, he's coming right. back, you know? And, you know, in the study, it was one was a maid, one was a butler, mm-hmm. but they're essentially the same character. Yeah. In the courtyard, our experience was that it was a guy in there. Mm-hmm. And I will say this, he was sassy to me. <laughs> yeah, he was funny. He, he was, was very sassy to me. Yeah. He was always like giving these snarky comments mm-hmm. about like when I try something, he goes, do you really think he'd be that dumb to just have, like, well, I don't know. You yeah. know? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, buddy. But I'm curious to see what other directions someone might take with that role. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, the premise is that you know, there's a reason why this particular actor or mm-hmm. this character, excuse me, has been put into his current situation. Yeah. Right. I am interested to know if, first of all, it has to be a man. Yeah. Or if it could be a woman instead. Yeah, because they kind of, for the story, they kind of say that it's supposed to be like a boyfriend. I guess they could change that to girlfriend. Right. But... I'm just curious if they do yeah. think about that. Also, I'm curious as to what other types of personalities could fit mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. Because he, like I said, was a bit sassy, uh-huh. but also accepting mm-hmm. of what was his situation. Yeah. Meanwhile, I could totally see someone else like pleading, let me out, let me out. I'm terrified of what's going on. I uh-huh. woke up into this just Or being someone that you're like, mm, do we really care if we save you or not? Right. You know? Because like... When when he was giving me just about one too many sasses, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so we're going to keep that gate closed. We're going to walk <laughs> out of here. See you never. You know, and I was okay with that. Yeah, I know it was funny at one point when like we found this key and I'm walking around looking at everything because we couldn't figure out what this key goes to. And he's like, oh, well, there's a lock over there on the ground. And I'm like, yeah, but the, this is a different kind of key. And he was like, how do you know that? I'm like, because I know what a master lock key looks like. Dude. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I've done enough of these. This is not a master lock key. Um, yeah, so that was funny. The other thing that I thought was funny is um, I did notice there was a couple changes to the location, which we've been to a number of times. So the basement's in um, Silmar, which is... Oh, you mean the physical location? The physical location, Sorry, I wasn't sure where you were going. It's in Silmar, which is north LA, very north LA. Mm -hmm. So it it is quite a trek for us to go to. It is kind of nice because you're bypassing like downtown and stuff. Mm -hmm. Also, almost every time we've ever gone, um, there's been fires going on, which has also made our our skidding there interesting. Um, One of the things we noticed is they've kind of changed their layout a little bit inside. And now... They essentially, it seems like they encourage their game masters to mess with the people waiting for the games as well. There was one game master who kept like breaking out of doors and like acting like someone was trying to pull him back in and like running around and falling down. There was also like, they they do this thing where they have this guy who, um, he wears like this creepy mask and they like 
escort him around and stuff but sometimes he gets free and will like run by and stuff or oh, like hide out. next to the bathroom so when yeah. people come out he's just standing there yeah it's so, like they're trying to kind of creep you out as you're there and like the yeah. game masters are all kind of adding to they're all kind of in character as well well because outside of every room there's kind of like a almost like a loading area yeah for, like how you would for like a ride like disneyland uh-huh. you know and that's typically where they have you watch the you know, rules video of like, uh-huh. don't break this, don't climb that. Yeah, you know? they also don't have like a traditional big waiting room. It's very small. Mm-hmm. So they kind of have to move groups in and out. So they use yeah. those loading areas to kind of sight filter people around. Really yeah. smart. But then, yeah, like you said, when you're waiting for you, like your loading process to begin, uh-huh. they are kind of doing little weird things in the background to entertain you. Yeah, yeah, to kind of just make it a weird environment. Mm-hmm. Also, they changed something about how you get into yeah. the room, which I think is pretty brilliant. We won't spoil it, but I would just say this. Do not expect anyone to open the door for you. No, you got to figure it out. It's it's the second time we've ever had a room where you have to figure out a puzzle. Just you essentially to get in. have to do an entrance exam yeah. to get in the building. Yeah, and thankfully, yeah. so we should say. Um, I would have been waiting out there forever. I know. I didn't think about it. We've done a couple other rooms, but our friend Matt was in town and he, he's someone that was a listener who we ended up doing some rooms with and now become a good friend. Mm -hmm. Um, he was the one who figured it out and we weren't even like thinking about like that that was because we knew we've been there enough times we know how to get in the building and the doors are still there yeah so we were just waiting for like usually they come and let you in eventually when Mm -hmm. they're ready for you um and he was the one who figured out that it was actually a puzzle that we had to solve to get i was just thinking about how much i had to pee and it was cold (laughs) that's what i was thinking about yeah um so kudos to him for actually figuring it out but yeah that was that was a fun new touch so, Greg, if you had to rate them, what are your favorite rooms there? Okay, What well, is your order? Here's the thing. We went with a large number of people for the yes. courtyard. And my main contribution was crawling into that little hole. <laughs> yeah. Going through that little underground maze, which mm-hmm. took about 45 seconds. Yeah. And then getting outside so I can open the door for everyone. Uh-huh. That's about it. Because mm-hmm. we had, like, I think seven people. Yeah. Right? And, um... People broke off into groups of like three, essentially. Yeah. And I was in the middle. And I was like, cool. So what I would do is I will go and like just find a bunch of other things. Yeah. You know, I'll like kind of like be like the miscellaneous like uncoverer. Uh-huh. It kind of didn't work like that in the room. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really feel that that strong of a contributor for this room. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of like anti-biased like yeah. with the courtyard. But I don't want to judge it based upon that. Mm-hmm. You know, so... I didn't, what I'm saying is I didn't get a chance to really experience many of the puzzles myself. Yeah. But I do like the physicality that it brings Mm -hmm. with having to crawl under the thing and everything, you know, and all that. And there was a couple things like, um, without giving too much away, there's a puzzle you have to do where it's kind of like the whole grabbing a pickle from a pickle jar. Like you want the pickle, but if you're grabbing it, your fist is too big to pull out of the jar. Uh-huh. So you have to decide, do you want to pull your fist out or do you really want that pickle? Yeah. And how do you get the pickle out? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was definitely some fun. It, it, it's kind of like that. So I, I like that. You know, mm-hmm. almost like brain teaser. Like, okay, I know clearly it's supposed to do this, but like, how do I juggle? Yeah. yeah, a lot of it was, you know, I think that definitely the room, like, I do say that there were maybe a couple logic leaps, but I also think there's a couple things in there that just challenge your way of thinking, and you have mm-hmm. to think out of the box. And if you're just not, you know, we, at first, we're just not able to think out of the box, and then suddenly we're like, 
oh, oh great. you know? But so, like, there's definitely some moments in the room like that. If I'm looking at just the rooms and what they have to offer, mm-hmm. and not my personal experiences for what I have or have not done, right? I think that number four is going to be the basement. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, it's a legend. It deserves a place in the Hall of Fame, but it's pretty much like standard affair now. Now, right? Yeah. I mean, probably one of the most legendary things that they have in there, besides the dogs barking and like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you had to crawl right next to them, you know, is sticking your hand into a filthy toilet. That's uh, yeah. actually not gross. It's like probably some oatmeal mixture. Yeah, it does make your hand smell weird. But though. like, yeah, you know, that's that's that what that is. Yeah. Um, other than that, it's just grimy. Everyone there. Yeah, and it's just, it's a big room and there's a lot to do. So that's why a lot of people fail. Because there's just so much to do, right? But in terms of like unique or like special things in there, other than like the grimy thing, Uh not too much there. Um, Second would then be the courtyard, you know, because it is a nice open space. Mm-hmm. It's it really feels like you're outside, and I like the physicality of having to climb out uh-huh. through like essentially like under the house, like yeah. under the porch or whatever, and how they have the trailer there, and like mm-hmm. it's like these little tiny spaces, right? Yeah. But the problem is with the little tiny spaces, like there's a tool shed, there's the room that you come out of, there's the you know trailer, but it all kind of feels disconnected to me. Yeah. It feels like this is a mini room, a mini room, a mini room. Uh huh. And then like you just had to keep bouncing me between the mini rooms because that was my problem. I was in the middle. Yeah. Outside of the And it was rooms. like by the time something then was going on in the other room, people were already there. So you and couldn't I'm like, really contribute. And then like also the rooms are so small, like I can't fit a fourth person yeah. there. Yeah. So I'm just kind of, and like I don't want to like be leaning in and like getting people's way uh-huh. and kind of half hearing information, you know. Yeah. Um, but I definitely do think you need enough, a lot of people to work on this thing. Mm-hmm. But um, so I'm putting that number three. Number two for me is going to be the study. I really like how that room separates people. Yeah. There's twice once at the very beginning and once kind of like halfway through mm-hmm. where individuals will be locked off from yeah. the group and you cannot get back with the uh-huh. group until something else happens and i think that isolation and that frustration of i'm part of a team but my team can't help me mm-hmm. i think that's very interesting and you know from right right off the bat like one or two people are cut off mm-hmm. they're still useful and they can still do something that helps contribute to the entire team but at the same time i'm stuck yeah and until i can help you figure out a way to get me unstuck or vice versa, mm-hmm. this is the situation. And that's yeah. kind of terrifying. And then my number one would be the elevator shaft. Mm-hmm. The reason why is because of there's such unique use of space. <laughs> yeah. Very few escape rooms think vertically. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And granted, we don't climb in that room. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you are constantly looking up yeah. to look at that because you're told it's the elevator shafts. So you constantly want to see... Is that thing dropping? Is yeah. it falling? You know? Yeah. And then they also have a very other unique use of space where they go out, but very small and narrow with that like shaft that's yeah. on the side mm-hmm. that you have to like pulley. And they also there use as well the isolation because one person has to be in that at the very far end mm-hmm. and they have to see something and then communicate that back to everyone else. Uh-huh. But they have to first be closed and yeah. isolated in this small chamber away from everybody else, and then they can open the chamber and communicate. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's so interesting is that everyone's relying on this one person to essentially yeah. anchor the team. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I also think, you know, with the elevator shaft in particular, too, it's another one where, like, that room alone, there's so many kind of fear factor things in that where you are perfectly safe, but your body is going 
oh my gosh, like I'm not safe, right. you know? Um, and definitely like there's things in that room that how, I don't even know how they achieve it, but like, okay, so, you know, it's an elevator shaft and there is something dropping. Let's just put it that way, mm. you know? Um, and it's really dropping. Like, so just like that, their ability to actually do that. Most rooms, they would say that, but it wouldn't actually happen. Right. You know, but the basement doesn't roll that way. Mm -hmm. They actually Or most make rooms, it at the very best, they might have a TV screen up there that looks like, but yeah. you know, there's a physical thing up there. That's dropping. Yeah. So like that, that's what I think makes the elevator shaft so um, other level kind mm -hmm. of. Yeah. Um, I think I really agree with kind of what you're saying. Um, you know, the basement and the courtyard to me, are, first I was like, they're kind of even, Yeah. but I do think, you know, the basement, while it was cutting edge at the time, it's a little bit more standard fare now. Yeah. Um, so I think the courtyard kind of presents a little bit more modern take on that. Mm -hmm. Um, the study, you know, we did that room twice, not because we failed it the first time, like we did the basement. We basically had a freebie where we could go and do one of their rooms. Um, and we chose that And one. we chose to do that room again and speed run it, essentially. Yeah. And just because we liked the room and we also, we had done it with more people. And so we wanted to do it with less people and just see what the puzzles we didn't get to see last time, mm -hmm. essentially. Um, I agree with you. I like how the room splits you off from your party multiple times. Yeah. Um, that's something that's pretty unique. And also, that's another one, I think... It, this is going with all of their rooms. They really kind of challenge you to think out of the box and, you know, do, I don't know what to say. You're not going to run into any number problems or, or Sudoku or Sudoku or locks on a box or mazes on a wall. Right. Like that's not, that, that's not how, organic. yeah, everything's organic and they use things uniquely as in terms of space and you're going to have to get inside of things that don't look like they'd be big enough to fit you, but are, and mm -hmm. then it will open up to something bigger. And you know what I mean? Like they use everything in a creative way. Right. So I think we both agree then on the order. I do. Of the I list. think so. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, what if I said, "Oh yeah, courtyard's the best, and everything else can." You know, <laughs> I would. I would say that you are being facetious um, at best. No, I would say that you're being you're because that's the most recent one we did. Yeah, yeah. That's the most you know. But no, I, I totally agree. The the study and the elevator shaft are my are my top two for sure. Mm -hmm. And like I said, you know. The minute they do another room, we're going to go to it. You know, they do have something if you are interested, although I'm not sure how long it lasts. They're doing kind of a special. They started it as a holiday thing, um, but they, they kind of extended it. I don't know if it will still be going on. They call it the Humanum Fest Festum, and it's a bunch of mini rooms that have actors, and they also um, provide drinks. It's kind of like an escape room party. Does that say tacos included? Um, yes, tacos included. Guys, it has tacos. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's something that they have going on right now. It's They call it a cocktail soiree. So, um, an if immersive you're in the area, cocktail soiree. Yeah, so if you're in the area and you want to do a unique escape room party, um, that's something that they have going on. Like I said, I don't know how much longer they're going to have it. It started out as something they were just doing for the holidays, um, and then they kind of kept it going for a while. Yeah, I think it's ending probably in March, so... Get out there. Get on it. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. All right, mm -hmm. so let's go ahead then and move on to our Friday favorites. 
So for my Friday favorite, um, I think this is a game we've probably already discussed in a former episode. We recently got a copy of Rival Restaurants, which was a really hot game at the convention. Oh, sizzling um, hot, yeah. yeah, people were really buying it. Um, we saw a lot of people sitting down and demo it. And I can say right now, it's one of my favorite games that we own. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm constantly wanting to get out and play it with you. Um, you're probably getting annoyed with me no, because I want to play I, it so much. I constantly <laughs> want to get out and play it yeah. with you too. Why are we not playing it right now? <laughs> you know, like I said, I've probably talked about this in the future episode. You guys are probably getting sick of me talking about rival restaurants. But right now, at the time we're recording this, and probably at the time that maybe you'll get to hear this, um, they have a Kickstarter going on for their first expansion, which I backed within four minutes of it going live. Back for seconds. Yeah, and um, it looks like a lot of fun. It's adding a bunch of new restaurants. It's adding um, some new event cards, which will be a cool mm-hmm. new mix-up. That's the other thing we like about this game is that it has kind of different ways you can play it. We were actually telling the um, creators when we were there that we haven't yet played it with the um, the chef abilities. And they were kind of like, really? And we're like, well, we don't really like take that game and the chef abilities really like exponentially make it a little bit more difficult and more, mm-hmm. you know, you're affecting the other players. Um, and so we we haven't played it with that yet so that we can get a sense of the game and then we'll play that. And I like that there's kind of almost like different modes you can play this game yeah. on. You can play and it on easy mode. That. Like, That's a good idea. Yeah, we, you can play it on easy, you can play it on hard and then these event cards are going to add a new um, mix up to it. I'm really excited about some of the new restaurants we're getting. We're getting um, a German restaurant, a Greek restaurant. Um, Peruvian. Peruvian. Oh my God, by the way, Peruvian food, really good. Yeah, they we just unlocked as one of their... Um, extras um a british pub which is going to be a lot of fun um so i'm really looking forward to that and that's going on right now and the great thing is not only can you still back because they're not quite currently printing rival restaurants so it's very hard to get a copy Mm -hmm. of so if you back the kickstarter not only can you get the the game itself you can also get an upgraded version of the game if you want. With nicer tokens. Um, with nicer tokens and things like that. They're also offering that as a separate add-on, which I did add on, so that oh, I, we can nice. upgrade okay. the version we currently have. And you can also buy the expansion as a standalone. So because we already have the base game, I didn't need another copy of the base game, so I was able to just back um, the expansion part. Nice. Um, they're also doing card sleeves. Um, that's another add-on that you can add. Um, so we're kind of that's we're into card sleeves right now, protecting our games. My a little only bit problem more. with card sleeves is like I'm not sure what size all my cards are, so I got to go measure them. In exactly. Right so the nice thing about this is because I think they, these cards are kind of a unique size. Um, the nice thing about this is they already we know they'll fit. Right. <laughs> so that's and something. they'll give us enough. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna give us enough for both the base game and the expansion. So that's something that um, I'm adding on to my Kickstarter pledge. Um, and we did get to see some of those components while we were at um, Dice really Tower, nice, yeah. and they were really nice. So that definitely made me confident in my buy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely looking forward to that expansion. My Friday favorite is gonna surprise you, mm-hmm. but it's not totally unheard of. Okay. Lately. Uh, I've introduced you to the wonderful show uh, Parks and Rec. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I knew you would love the character of Leslie Nope. Mm-hmm. She's a strong, funny character, you know, uh, adamant feminist, yeah. you know, and really politically driven. And while we were at the convention, we happened to run into some friends of ours from the last one, the guys who made Filibuster with yes. Play Games. Mm-hmm. I am so... Re- and I was reminded of how much I love that game. Yeah. You know, like... I even went on then, like during one of our little breaks, onto Board Game Geek and wrote a review for them mm-hmm. because honestly, it deserves attention. It is yeah. such a fun and they're a small they're game. a small independent publisher, so they're all doing this themselves, right? right? And they they produce one game, they kickstart it, they 
do all the backing they can do, and then they move on to like the next game, yeah. right? So they don't have a ton of press behind them and all this stuff. So you know, it was it's nice to kind of be able to kind of review that and get that out there so that people hear about this game. But right. it's really fun. And actually, they told us about a new game that they were playtesting that also sounds really awesome. Mm-hmm. But the thing I like about the um, um, filibuster is that it's a game that is simultaneously cooperative mm-hmm. and competitive yeah because you want the person who's doing the filibuster to spend as much time up there so that this insane law doesn't pass uh-huh. such as birds need travel visas to migrate yeah who would ever pass that but some <laughs> idiot is you know yeah. and so we need you to stay up there so that way that doesn't hurt the rest of the game but once we get past that point then we need you to shut up. Uh-huh. But if you're the active player, you want to keep going because you'll score all the points. There. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like Betrayal at House on the Hill where you are cooperative until a certain point. And yeah. then come on, now we got to talk. Yeah, because you, you want them to be able to successfully filibuster, but not too long because you Cause don't want them to get ahead of you. Across. Yeah. yeah, you don't want them to get ahead of you. Um, it's full of tons of like puns. It's political, but in a way that it's not... Doesn't um, offend any particular Yeah, not right super offensive. It doesn't really... It doesn't fall too far to one side, I would say. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really fun game. Um, and, we, you know, we were glad to see them again. They were actually selling it now. You can buy it retail now, which at the time when we first saw it, you couldn't buy it retail. Mm-hmm. You could only um, buy it through Kickstarter. Uh, but it and is we retail happily now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a good reminder of, oh yeah, we like that game. We need to play it more. Yeah. So I definitely, and it's also a game that's a bit shorter too. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take hours and hours. It takes like 45 minutes at best, you know, and that's if you're playing with five people and you have to do all the voting and stuff. But even then it's fun because you can make like little like political deals and alliances and stuff. And it's just, it's, it's great fun. Honestly, uh, the humor is fantastic. It's fun to play. Relatively easy to learn, too. I don't yeah. think it would take new players more than about 10 minutes to sit down and figure it out. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I really want to play that again. Well, I hope you uh, enjoyed this episode where we mostly talked about our experiences at Dice Tower. They're already um, selling tickets for next year. We're not sure if we're going to be able to go next year just because we've got a lot of other things on our horizon right now. Right. Um, it's not that we don't want to. We would definitely want to. It's just... Um, the timing of it, I think, will be difficult. Yeah. Um, just because we are planning a wedding and things like that right now. But, you know, if you at all think that's feasible for you to go, we definitely recommend it. It is very much a, game, a convention that's based on playing games, you know. Yes, they do have vendors, but there's not a ton of vendors trying to sell you stuff. It's mostly about go play, go right. play. Um, it's very welcoming and warm. Everyone's really nice. They have those great player-wanted and teacher-wanted signs as well mm-hmm. to help um, encourage you to go and sit down with other people and play with other people. And you can make a new friend or two. I yeah. made a lot of new friends, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, at one point, I sat down with my legendary bond 007 game mm-hmm. and i made some nice new friends uh including this guy named jason who just came i, I had to play one time we need one more he just mm-hmm. happened to come by single guy walking around like hey yeah sit down come join yeah us. yeah a lot of people attend the con- conference single like just mm-hmm. by themselves and um it's really easy to get in on games and stuff like that so don't be afraid you know and then it was it was so cute too because this other guy named steve came up and he was like, do you have room for one more? My wife wants to come play. I'm like, yeah, go get her. Like, you know, like, I mean, at that point, like, if I had enough people coming over, I would have been like, well, I'll just teach. Yeah, yeah. And actually, it was nice because um, you had enough players because I knew you really wanted to play this game because it's your new baby yeah. that you love. Um, but I was like, you know what? I'm a little tired. 
Um, and we had someone watching our house. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to step aside and give them a call mm. and let you play and stuff. And, you know, I was nice because you didn't have to worry about me being an extra player. Right. And then you came back and I was wearing my tuxedo onesie pajamas. And you were like, mm-hmm. oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to for the bond of it all. Yes. Well, I think that does it for this episode. Stay tuned for um, some of the stuff that we didn't get to cover in future episodes. Yeah. Um, and trust me, there's there's more we could talk about. <laughs> you think this episode's long? It could have been more. Music for this episode is Megarest by TwinMusic.com. You can find us anywhere podcasts are available. However, rates and reviews on iTunes are much appreciated as it helps new listeners find our podcast, and we want new listeners to find our podcast. We can be found at Game Friday on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Come talk games with us. Thanks for listening and goodbye.